Talk Brunch. Served hot. Talk Brunch Live. Rick Dyer here, a.k.a. Captain Brunch. And even my microphone runs its own Twitter account at this point. Joining me as always is my co-host, Mr. Destin Soglo Frazier. You know, I love how everybody was like, oh, it's 2021, it's almost here. And now apparently in North Georgia we have giant spiders? Really? I didn't even know about that. Yeah, apparently like if you, if you stretch the legs out fully, they're like five inches. Lovely. Yeah, fantastic, right? That's a comforting <laughs> thought. Yeah, well, thank you to everyone once again that joined us last night for the NXT TakeOver show. That was a lot of fun. And I still don't know who the hell Ridge Holland is. <laughs> I thought that I would by now. There's been no new news as to what's going on there. <sighs> but yeah, tonight, before we get into any of the news and the heavy stuff that's going on in the Twitch, I know there's issues with Twitch and WWE. Uh, you know, a lot of stuff has happened with the uh, Hall of Famer and current president Donald Trump and heat from both sides politically involved in wrestling so we'll get into all of that but i want to of course do like a little bit of an aftermath of things that we were discussing last night in regards to uh the nxt takeover and stuff that was going on there so uh one of the things we were talking about was full sale and leaving full sale university if you guys remember us having that discussion uh the fact that now they, they seem to be done with them so wrestling inc has reported that they're not using the students there to tape the show. So that's essentially the thing that they had there. With that. Uh, who was that? I didn't even get to get a look. Yeah, that was cool. Oh, thank you, cool. Thank you for the host. Yeah, I have a lot of screens in front of me. So sorry if I don't catch anything happening in the live stream. But yeah, yeah Wrestling Inc. Is, is, uh, they're reporting that they are no longer using the students there. And that's what the whole draw was. They had the students that were there that would look at the screenwriting and production and other areas and stuff like that. And uh, they would sort of shadow people and learn about, I guess, just the film industry. But unfortunately now, uh, they can't do it anymore because Full Sail doesn't let uh, fans come to live shows on campus or anything like that. So they just had to end that relationship, unfortunately, which uh, it's definitely the end of an era. We didn't really talk about it. It kind of, I feel like it got overshadowed by the fact that so many people were just hyped over the new location and wow full sale gone yeah just poof no more and uh it was basically because of the covid19 obviously so that really sucks <laughs> thank you for host thank you for host six layer so yeah now we know for sure because I, I found it questionable how quick it happened we didn't really know anything and now they moved but that's exactly why they went there and triple h was also saying that he wants the brand to have its own identity like they offered to put them in the thunderdome but it's important to him that nxt looks different and that's why they made that also to give it like a bit of a different look and also in a follow-up you were right which uh they put fake announcers out there yeah i knew i knew what i saw there I was a fake beth phoenix that, that you're right they didn't even bother to make it a blonde it was a brunette beth phoenix and whoever that guy was like half a Wade Barrett. Yeah, Brian Alvarez said that it was Casey Lennox from MLW, and they don't know who the guy was playing Barrett. How Hollywood are we going that you have stand-ins to be you? 
They said that Beth Phoenix doesn't show up to NXT taping. She basically records all of the commentary from home in North Carolina uh, because she doesn't have want to have to like quarantine. You know, you have to self quarantine for a while before you can get out there and come back. So they just taped. They're never really there. So they put people to stand in to look like them, which is hilarious. <laughs> Why not just say that they're not there? Like in the other right. shows, the people have straight up said that they're not there. Like in in the G one, like Kevin Kelly has just said, you know, we're not there, but we hope to be there. Like at the end of the week, you know, we're taping this right now, and it takes nothing yeah, away from the, the, that like the, one, one episode. The honesty takes nothing away from it. So isn't it weird that they literally put fake Beth Phoenix out? There? I didn't know what you meant when you said it wasn't them because I heard them, and it was like those are great stand-ins if they got like the whole roll down like that. It was a, I can't remember what it was when I saw it, but it was either a camera angle and they snapped back really quick and I just so happened to be looking at the announcer table or something that happened with a spot near it. But I looked and I was like, wait a minute, that's not Beth. <laughs> Beth didn't change her hair because knowing Natty, Natty would tweet some shit about it. They don't mind everyone knowing that wrestling is a work, but then at the same time, they're completely fine with making sure that they don't ever expose themselves. It's just a, such a weird dynamic, right? And they're not that good at it. Oh, so sad, God. so sad. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it was, uh, who was it again? Let me see who, who these people were. They said it was Casey Lennox. And other guy. And other dude. Like, we're not going to know who the hell it was that was with uh Wade. That was playing <laughs> Wade Barrett, I guess. He's not important enough. Yeah, whatever. And Ember Moon, as you know, last night she returned, which I, again, it, this is sloppy, even for NXT booking. The fact that they stack those returns one on top of the other, you have a girl standing in the ring and all of a sudden it's like, you know, one girl shows up and then the other girl appears on the Tron and one's coming in on the screen. Like, but Ember, nonetheless, she shows up and she kind of poked fun of the rumors that were going around. Did you see when she tweeted? She said, if you hashtag oh, yes. believe anything can happen. <laughs> Because so many people thought it was going to be Bo Dallas on the motorcycle. And I kept hearing that. I refused it for a couple of, you know, there's things I read. That's why it takes so long to get set up. There's things I read on here that I'll just decide not to bring up. That I feel like it needs a couple more weeks in the oven. And uh, to me, that Bo Dallas on the motorcycle shit was one of them. You know, where it was just like, <laughs> I can't bring this up. Like I, you know, normally like the last half an hour after Raw goes off the air before we go on the air at 1130, it's me shuffling these stories around in priority to make it have some sort of sense. And that Bull Dallas on the bike shit never always, <laughs> always hit the cutting room floor. It was just like, I don't know if it'll be Bo on a bike. Bo can't get TV time here or on Raw. Ain't that a bitch? I love how that became a thing. Oh my God. Congratulations, Ember. Now you have Willie Heat. That's the funniest out of place rumor I ever heard since the Kevin Owens nudes. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what the funny thing about it is? The more I thought about it, the more it's like, so wait a minute, he's been off TV for like a year and a half, and it's just like, ooh, NXT. What? See, that's why I don't care too much if we don't jump on the grenade. Because if he would have came out, let's just say in this weird, hypothetical, bizarre world. Bull Dallas would have came out on that motorcycle. We would have just come out here and said, yeah, we heard about it before. We just didn't want to report it because it sounded stupid. <laughs> and by the way, it was stupid when it happened. So we stand by that. We didn't want to believe it. Can you imagine that, though? I, some shit. <laughs> I can't even go into it. Anymore. I'm, I'm, I love the fact that she said that uh, if you hashtag believe, anything can happen. Anything but that, basically. Not that shit. <laughs> He did the whole night vision overhead view and had the serious music in the darkness and stuff. And then Bo comes out. The next thing you know, you would have heard. 
I th- I would have popped. Inspirational ass music. <laughs> I would have popped for sure because that would have they would have trolled they would have trolled the world because it would have been dramatic right up to when you hear it, like right when he hits the ramp and then he's just his old <laughs> self, like not even a no, change no, to no, the no, gimmick, no. like everything else was just was just him <laughs> fucking trolling and exactly. then there he is regular Bo. It would have been enough it for was- me. They would have done exactly what WWE always does because they're too lazy to change his music. They fucking they would have just had him with the with had him with the freaking BT music. You know what I would that do? Just to, just come to keep out trolling. If you want to get real heat for Bo, then what you do is you make it happen each time. And people and you know how much they love the E time anyway. Like every time we see Bo, it starts with the infrared thing with the motorcycle coming in. <laughs> <laughs> but it always just becomes regular Bo Dallas. Oh God. It'll be like Hollywood oh. Rock when he had the overhead city shot before he came like this, oh. just this extra obnoxious heel thing. And it'll just be a reminder the to the fans. Yep, it was Bo. It's just for the record, people. You think that entrance was douchey on TV? Imagine seeing a fucking dramatic-ass overhead New York City shot live. You know what? It was still weird seeing it being Ember, though. Because I know I get Ember so vibe. You know, she's in, she's in anime. She's into otaku-style stuff and anime. I had a very 80s anime vibe to it though like it looked like very bubblegum crisis remember Pris from the night saber the way she'd have the motorcycle and yeah. drive in and it would turn into a mech and all that shit it just felt like a very 80s mecha style presentation which i get for ember but i don't know if it fit her i don't know how you guys felt about you know it, what it kind of reminded me of watching it the second time it kind of reminded me of akira yeah yeah it had like i, I, I said I, but i, I, I get it because that's, that's sort of her culture and i can't and I, can, I can't even really criticize that because uh as someone who used to really love anime and things like that Whenever I like peek through the blinds nowadays, like it's horrendous what the people are getting. It's almost more regurgitated than the wrestling that we're getting. I almost think that we're going through like a full cultural uh, thing. It just happens to be that we cover wrestling primarily. But when you think about it, the games, unless they're remakes of the good games, the new the new ideas always shit or they're or they're rehashes that we've seen done better before. And that happens with the anime. When I look at a lot of the anime lately, like I'll look at, I'll look at like the first one or two episodes of everything in the season. I was like, Jesus, it feels like either, either this has no soul or, uh, or it just feels like someone else saw something. Like a lot of this feels like it was made by people who a decade ago watched way too much anime, you know? <laughs> and that's not a good vibe. I'm like, oh, I can't even watch it. You know, the old stuff, if you go back to old stuff, it's still great. Cause I'll still occasionally come across something on YouTube that's like really old. And, uh, enjoy it but the new shit just like with wrestling it it all sucks so i kind of get her going for that uh that 80s 90s anime vibe which is interesting like she, she looked like she'd be the main oh thanks for the like uh ayama raj thank you for this by the way i thank you to everyone on facebook when we first start this thing up we have to let it run for like 20 minutes for all the follows and likes so thank you for some reason like you know i'm no no offense to which when i pick up any friction whatsoever since we left mixer but uh facebook the momentum seems to be like where we are if i ever did have to pick and i was to like settle in one platform we'll be there because even when we're not here like thank you for the support the comments everything that's like that place is uh really cool I know I you told say. me about times where you sit there and let that thing run for like 30 minutes and just final flash, final yeah. flash. Twitch is cool because of the live chat room and everything, but it's like when I look at what's happening on there, like that thing's always active, which uh, even when we're doing nothing, so very cool. So, uh, all right, let's get into some news here. I've been talking about the uh, the new WWE setup, at least for now. By the way, uh, one thing with the Thunderdome, I didn't realize that somebody put, uh, didn't they put like AEW or something in one of the little yeah, windows? Yeah, an AEW logo popped up. If we got that here. Look at that. There's that <laughs> Thunderdome risk. Wait, can I bring I it up for you? Y'all. 
That's hilarious. How the hell didn't we see that, right? There's got to be people out there like they don't even watch the show. They just watch the screens. Just waiting. <laughs> I'll cast a show on replay. Fuck it. Let's see who's trolling on the screens. Yeah. Man, that was like my last bit of news about about them and their technology. Always the first ones with the new stuff. All right. Well, in a bit of breaking news that has come up today, the Netflix TV series Glow has been officially canceled in the middle of the fourth season. Like they were in the middle of taping. This thing was going on. And now it's pretty much done. Um, a spokesperson from Netflix made a statement saying we've made the difficult decision not to go do a fourth season of Glow due to COVID, which makes shooting this physically intimate show with its large ensemble cast especially challenging. We are so grateful to the creators Liz Flahive, sorry if I butchered the name, and Carly Menched, Genji Kohan, and all the writers, uh, cast and crew for sharing this history about the incredible woman of Glow with us around the world. So they were going to be doing, uh, they were going to be wrapping up the first two episodes uh apparently and then they had to stop production and now it's pretty much canceled so there's a lot of other series that that has happened to as a result of this but now they also hit the list of series that they will not be returning or having a conclusion like that that's done when you wrap a production with stuff too it's not as easy as just like next month they could be like well you know what guess what guys we got the money from a gofundme so now we're gonna come here and uh started up it's kind of like yeah they put everything away all of the wardrobe and shit is done they they relinquish up whatever sets and places they're renting the actors and actresses move on getting everyone back together so pretty much you can consider that a rest in peace yeah i don't know I even remember how far it was do you did you keep watching it you know i really didn't i, I, could, I couldn't stick with it i i it enjoyed there's it there's anything wrong with it it just wasn't my cup of tea it's weird because i liked it and i enjoyed it and entertainment i don't remember where i stopped watching i feel like i watched the first two seasons maybe I definitely didn't see the third season. It was a good show, though. You know, thanks for the host, yeah. Pixie Starla. It must be a bot host because her, she must be, I was on auto host because otherwise the, it would have prompted something. Yeah. But nonetheless, thanks for having us on there. But yeah, but that thing's going to be done. But while we're talking movie news, Mick Foley, did you see that tweet that he shared? I might have. He's in this new movie called 12 Hour Shift. Okay, yeah, yeah, this is sounding familiar. I think, I, yeah, I think I saw. I think I'm at a glance by that tweet. Yeah, well, look at this. Look at this scene that he's in this movie. Regina, where the fuck have you been? I told you I was running late. Man, you say one of those things is a kidney. <laughs> we were one of those things? You don't recognize a kidney? I'm telling you, public school here is a lot of. Where are my fucking organs? Uh, and the. It's a fucking joke. No. Let me let me check my car. Regina, your sole purpose is to bring me the fucking organs. I need the fucking organs right fucking now. Oh my god. It's really very simple. And if it ain't out there, I can think of another place where we can find ourselves a kidney. <laughs> Maybe that's what you're good Jesus. for. Parts. Whoa. That made me jump. I hate having these headphones on. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? I thought Mick Foley was jolly. Not today, motherfucker. <laughs> he wasn't dude love all the time. Sometimes he was Cactus Jack. Jesus. You know, the way he used it, he sounds like an older guy who just probably figured out how to use the word fuck. Who the hell cast him? Quentin Tarantino? He might, oh, might fucking have. It looks like some, that looks like some Tarantino shenanigans in there. I do not want to see that. 
It looks good though. I mean, I do. I guess I, I do want to see it just to see, see just to see McFoley cursing. Right? Wasn't that strange? I, I feel. I feel like if I survive the room, I can survive this. Wow, you gave it the room comparison. Good lord, man. It seems like it might go down some weird road. Like I don't know. Yeah, it was a bit intense for McFoley. Right. By the second or third F bomb, I was like, "Oh, so you going here?" Okay. All of these wrestlers are becoming freaking movie actors. You notice that? Remember, like the nine movies Kurt Angle started. Yeah. <laughs> they were all indie as all hell. Barely, barely. The only, only reason anybody you remember them because they make fun of them nowadays. Yeah. All right. So another news: AEW has their podcast unrestricted, and Miro was on there. And it was a very good episode because, as you know, Miro's very honest about things that he experienced in WWE. And he talked a little bit about the Rusev and Lana storyline and uh, what they had planned for it. And I want you to hear some of this. I'm going to link you guys in the chat room and on social media on Twitter to the entire episode. But just want to hear this clip, the tease before you go into it. So, uh, yeah. so you had a storyline at WWE where you were a yeah. sex addict. Uh, that's when I came out and, and they wanted uh, CJ to say that I'm a sex addict. But the original pitch was that I have erectile dysfunction. Mm. Um, they really wanted to kill me like completely because I don't think in any anybody's eyes how the baby face has erectile dysfunction and he's somewhat of a good guy. Well, which you have I, some sympathy. I mean, like. But, the, but you can't prove that wrong. And there's nothing wrong with people having erectile dysfunction. You know, there's the pills. You can take care of it. You can watch the commercial from Aubrey and you'll find out. You can listen to pills. our commercials on Blue Chew. That's yeah, right. yeah. You can see what kind of pills you need to take. Oh, it works. Mm-hmm. But that was not the case here. And there's no coming back from it. There's absolutely no coming back from it. And I, and I told him, Vince, this, this is going to bury me completely. You already, you already kind of, you have the man that took my wife and now I have all dysfunction and then I'm going to lose. I just don't think, well, I, I was not supposed to lose anyways, but that's just changing time. Um, I just told him, no, I just think it's a better idea if we do the sex addict thing. So he went for it right away. But, uh, thank God, thank God I did not have erectile dysfunction. As a character, if you have one in real life, please see Aubrey. <laughs> I'll talk to you about it. It's great. Yeah. Oh, so. What? <laughs> <laughs> they originally wanted to give this dude erectile dysfunction. That isn't it great when you can in a whole different kind of way? Isn't it great when you can have a past job where you could go? So I told my boss I thought that the erectile dysfunction was a bad idea. <laughs> Thank God! Thank God he went for the sex addict. Oof. A phrase you don't ever expect to have to say in your life. Like, See what I mean? They they love emasculating people in that company. I noticed that there's a fetish there. As much as I hate to say it, there's always been an emasculating fetish somewhere in the WWE. I wonder who the core is. Somebody needs to speak up within the ranks of that company and explain to us who who is it that has this fetish for emasculating guys, you know, that they like to. Uh, they try to do it with fucking, uh, what's his name? Mike Bennett. Mike Canellis. See, they even gave him the woman name. They made him the missus, essentially. She used to slap him around and beat him up. Look at Meat. Remember Sean Stasiak? She pinned him for the freaking 24-7 title. And then dared him to pin her. Mm -hmm. And like I said, remember Sean Stasiak? He was Meat. And Jackie. Jackie and uh, Terry Reynolds used to beat the fuck out of him. And they would imply backstage that, uh, that they would be banging his brains out to death like he was exhausted. And he'd have to go to the ring and have a match. On Sunday Night Heat, by the way, because no one gave a fuck about meat. 
Do come on, have my phone. That's, that's what PMS was. It was them, and then eventually Ken Shamrock's sister, Ryan Shamrock, joined. It was the three of them fucking meet and sending them off for matches. Oh my god! You remember that, right? I remember the story. If I if my memory serves me correctly, because it's been years, is that apparently what happened was meet was caught tape recording in the locker room, which uh, got him a lot of heat. And uh, I get apparently he got released, and he he wound up being uh. Sean Stasiak and Planet Stasiak in WCW. But to his dismay, they re-inherited him through the freaking invasion because they bought all those guys and they got me again. That's when he turned him into like the comedic character who just kind of run through walls and shit. I guess it was like just the ultimate detriment to him, you know? Like, fuck you again. <laughs> we got you back. But you see how emasculating that game, career right, is? This game up. But yeah, meat. Let's not forget that they did that. There's a lot of guys they did things like that too. Look at Mark Merrow. Motherfucker was this close to getting turned into meat row. Look at Mark Merrow. He got beat up by his wife. Sable whipped his ass and hit him with his own finisher. Yo, Remember, she hit I him with the RKO. The, the, first, the first time I ever knew her powerbomb was a finisher, it was watching a watching powerbomb Mark Merrow. He did things like that. Look at even freaking Drake Maverick where they wanted to make it where he can't consummate his marriage. Oh, my God. I remember because we turned it into a screenshot once. You see what I mean? Yeah, we probably did. Sounds like something we do. Oh, no, I know we did. I remember because I'll never <laughs> get the best line of that whole thing. Fucking good luck with your constipation. Oh, yeah, yeah. You see what I mean, though? <laughs> They're going to give him erectile dysfunction. And then they always make excuses where it's supposed to be like a show with a PG. That's not very PG. You're going to have kids asking what the hell that is. It's going to be like when mommy and daddy love each other, but mommy can't, but daddy can't show it right. <laughs> what? Great job. Keep it classy, guys. Keep it classy. Mira has to dodge an erectile dysfunction storyline. Great for him rolling his ankle doesn't look so bad on AEW now. I was like, could have been worse. He could have not been able to get it up. I'll yeah. take a rolled angle over that every, every day of my life. <laughs> All right. Well, moving on. This is a bit of a short one, but I just thought it was random enough to bring up. So I got a flow. You got a what? I got a flow. Yes. I got a flow. You got a flow. So let it go. Yeah. Brother. I think it's, is it like the, what the first one of the pandemic era? So it's, it might be. So it's, it's weird because it's not really about Hogan so much as at him. Iron Sheik out of nowhere, dude. Roast Hogan. Poor Hogan's been out of the gunfire. There might be. You're right. It might be the first one post pandemic, if we can even say post pandemic safely, but it might be the first one. First Hulkster flow we've had since then. And Sheik just out of nowhere. And in all caps, this man put Hulk Hogan, you are worse than the Cars for Kids song. (laughs) Like. How random I is wish that? you could see my face right now because I'm more confused on what the fuck the card for kids song is. Oh, you don't know? Oh, fuck. <laughs> 1877 cars for kids. K A R S cars for kids. So he said Hogan's worse than that song. <laughs> no. It's just so oh, random. It's like, did she just get in the mood? I wonder what he was watching that had Hogan. Like, did something come on the network? Or I, I wish I could see what his what his watch history was. Because the fury was with that one, right? Yo, you know what the funny thing about this? It doesn't even surprise me that she comes out of nowhere like that. Because she never has a motivation to go at anybody. But I love his comparisons. You, you remember it used to be that he was worse than Michael Jackson? Like, I yeah. love that how for Sheik, that was the bar. Like, it was like, Hulk Hogan, you son of a bitch, worse than Michael Jackson. And it was like, wow, why is that? Why is that? Why is it Michael Jackson? Right? Like, why is that your ceiling? 
I'll, I'll take the new feeling being cars for kids. Cars for kids is fine. He thinks you're worse than cars for kids commercial. Look at him writing it down. Worse than cars for kids. That's what we got to start doing. Let's make it a gimmick from now on where I'll, let's compare wrestlers to commercials from now on. Like by the end of the night, let's figure out what, what commercial Bobby Lashley is worse than. <laughs> he is super beta prostate, man. No, no, no. We got to, got to think carefully about this. We got to make sure we give them good commercials. Hulk Hogan's cars for kids. How strange is that, right? I would have never seen that one coming. Iron Sheik, man. You're a genius. Visual genius. <laughs> I almost wish it wouldn't have been a tweet. It had to be like actual audio. That would have been so much better. Because you know fucking Sheik is just like manic rants. Hulk Hogan, you horse the coffee. Kid. He tweets the way that he talks. You know what's that about that guy? <laughs> he only knows how to speak one way. Hulk, that motherfucker's cap lock is on all the time. That is incredible. But yeah, what's what's going on with Sheik? He doesn't do any more shoots. Is he getting too old to, to come on to some crazy shoots? I miss those. He might he, he might he might have to freaking gather the energy from the earth, the plants, and the trees to get that one out. Yeah, man, it's unbelievable. Fucking hear the music and say, "Ha ha ha You Yeah, right. But uh, yeah, that's why they don't bring him up for too many appearances and stuff, you know. Too many, hardly any. I can't remember the last time I heard about Sheik being a part of anything. They'll usually be ready with the trigger to kill his mic if you ever look carefully. They're always ready to, uh, they're always extremely careful with what's going to happen with his ass. Sorry about that. Somebody's always sitting there with a button ready to go. All right, he's talking click. Mm hmm. Pretty much. All right. Well, in a bit of news and injury update here, as you guys know, there was a situation with Angel Garza where he got injured. At Clash of Champions, and uh, he went on to uh, what exactly is this? This was a Spanish show that he went on to. What exactly it is? I will link you to on uh, YouTube. This might be his own thing that he uploaded. I'm not exactly sure. So obviously the audio will do you no good, but we have the translations. And he says, uh, "My injury did not come from the Spanish fly. An injury from the Spanish fly could have been worse. Thank goodness that the injury came later and not from the Spanish fly." And the Spanish fly landed on my neck, and I was not standing fully right on the ropes, and Montez Ford launched himself when I was still not fully planted on the rope. It was a matter of moments that my mind went like spin, and that's the result you saw at Clash of Champions. Unfortunately, the injury came afterwards. Montez went for a kick, and I grabbed the kick. When I lowered it, I went for the knee, but I put a little too much force into it. I thought when I was going to do it, Ford was a little too far from where I was, and I didn't measure myself properly. When I tried to stretch my leg towards him, the other leg that was supporting it couldn't handle it and was stretched out too much. That's when I heard a small pop, like a balloon exploding. Everything around that area started to get really hot, and when I tried to move that leg, I had that that tension close to my groin, and it was my quadriceps almost reaching my hip. That's what I felt. The referee came to ask me if I can continue, and I said no. I remember giving Andrade the tag, and he asked me what's wrong, and I tell him that I can't go anymore. WWE has a system that's really effective where they have all the doctors and medical personnel watching the matches on monitors, and they quickly go to the ring to see what's going on. I told them what I was feeling. The medical team sent me away, and I get checked. I asked if I could walk, and I said yes, but I couldn't put any force down there. So, yeah, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean, hey, first of all, quick thinking on that Spanish fly. Yeah, it's glad it's not too too serious, but still, like it's pretty pr- pretty rough. Yeah, it is. It absolutely is. Holy crap! You know that's all it takes for something to pop in these situations. You know, 
Yeah, just the right amount of force. He literally hurt himself. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't know how long it's going to be. I, I feel like I heard a couple of weeks or something. Yeah, I think I heard at most like 15 days. So he should actually be back pretty soon. Yeah, that's the number that I heard. Something like that. So uh, I'm really glad that uh, it's not anything that's going to be a long time at this point in the company, especially when they were pushing the guy, you know? Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, realistically, he was a star. That He's a star of that team. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I don't know if he was going to stay with that team, though, if they were going to eventually. I mean, they teased breaking him up. Then they were together with Azelina. And we're not sure if it was just the result of that or exactly what it was that they were planning on doing or how they were planning on doing it, you know? I mean, at this point, they've come to blows and then two weeks later challenged for the tag titles. So it's like there's no point in breaking them up at this point. Yeah, nah, none whatsoever. It's a little bit crazy. Well, I hope he's. I hope he has a speedy recovery and I hope there's no complications and we see him back soon and he joins the team. Because, yeah, he has a lot of charisma. I was actually watching some oh. of his old Impact Wrestling stuff the little time he was there, and they did a really good job with him. That dude, that dude's absolutely like, that kid has done the Garza family proud. Yeah, for sure. All right. In the next bit of news, and this was inevitably going to come up, and I know everybody was waiting for it, we have to talk a little bit about WWE uh, taking control of Twitch accounts. That is right. This has come up a few times, but now we have a bit more detail. So just bear with me while I get you all of the facts, the information, and we talk about what exactly is going to happen. So uh, there was an email from Vince McMahon. This is where it all starts, reminding them that they have until October 2nd to, uh, to sever any unauthorized business relationships. So let me look real quick and find that email because I'd rather read the Vince McMahon email first. So that we get the exact verbatim of what was said here. Let's see. Sorry, guys. I just want to make sure that. Uh, okay, so he says, uh, this is from Fightful, released this. It's just a friendly reminder that this Friday, October 2nd, is the deadline for severing any unauthorized business relationship with third parties. As was mentioned in my September 3 message, continued violations beyond this deadline will result in fines and may result in suspension of termination. If you need further details, please contact our EVP of operations, Brad Blum. Thank you, Vince. So it all starts with that email, essentially telling them what we were talking to you guys around here originally, the fact that they were going to have to uh, start relinquishing a lot of their stuff. So uh, according to uh, Wrestling Observer, they basically said this also includes Cameo, which Cameo is the thing where you make appearances for people and stuff like that. They said superstars must affirm that WWE is their quote-unquote authorized representation and they must authorize Cameo to make all payments to the company. It is And, and uh, Cameo won't be made a party in any dispute between the talent and WWE. That's also what's put in this contract. The superstars can keep the Cameo accounts, uh, but WWE also has them sign the right that they can pull their cameo account at any time so you basically hand over ownership to it you'll still get to keep using it but now they have the rights to it and they can cancel it whenever they feel like it uh now the amount of money that they make on their cameo and twitch accounts comes out of the downside guarantee on their contracts and what that essentially means is when you sign a contract no matter what happens you're guaranteed a minimum amount of money even if they don't use you, even if they don't push you, no matter what bad things happen, whether you're injured or not, you're guaranteed. If you do good and you are pushed and you become the champion and your merchandise sells and you have DVDs and extra stuff going on, then you can make beyond that downside guarantee. Uh, however, 
that's what the contract is for. It's because no matter what, when they sign you, they have to now pay you. So that's why a lot of the time you see them try to get their money's worth out of people that aren't even necessarily uh, good projects. People who in hindsight, maybe they regretted paying a lot of money for, but it's like now they got to do their, their best with them. It happens like several times. So you'll be wondering why they're still pushing or using this guy because essentially he has his downside. No matter what, he's going to just sit at home. He's going to get that. What they're doing now is they're basically saying that when it comes to Cameo on Twitch, whatever money you make in those side businesses, it counts to your downside guarantee. So uh, you, it basically comes, and almost, you can almost say it almost comes out of your pay, out of your WWE contract pay now. You're making money, but it comes, it's, it's like now their money in a way. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, and this was pretty crappy that they wound up doing this. Roderick Strong tweeted, he said, it was fun while it lasted. Tomorrow morning, my cameo will be gone. So get, so get yours while you still can. And then he put the link out there. And, uh, Scarlett did the same thing. She had herself priced at 1000, but it says inactive until further notice. Emily Anzulis, uh, she was in NXT. She changed the name to 1288594 with no profile picture. So I guess that was her way of killing the account. And, uh, WWE made their own version of Cameo. They made virtual meet and greets um, before Clash of Champions. And uh, that's what it seems like this whole thing's about. WWE wants to do their own internal Cameo. And within the WWE superstar contracts, it's just something that's included that they're obligated to do. Now, part of the problem with what they're doing is that uh, you're saying, well, why why would they even bother to do Twitch anymore? If... uh, all the money that they earn and make and all of the tips and all of the don- donations and subscribers goes to their downside contract. It's almost like they're now just working for WWE. So why bother to do it? And the answer is it sounds to me like what WWE is doing is regardless of whether or not these superstars choose to stream on Twitch or not, WWE wants to have a stronger presence within the Twitch community. So streaming on Twitch is going to become part of being a WWE superstar. So unfortunately, even if these superstars would say, well, fuck that downside guarantee, I quit. They don't really have that option because they're they're essentially assigning Twitch as a thing that they do. It's no longer a matter of, well, then they won't do Twitch anymore. It's a matter of now Twitch is in the drop the job description. You just ain't getting paid for it anymore. It's sort of the way that they're politically maneuvering themselves into there with Cameo. They just want to cut out the middleman entirely. Because if they have their own meet and greet service, then you don't need Cameo whatsoever. You go straight through WWE because Cameo does take a portion of that money, just like Twitch does. So this is essentially where we are, folks. (sighs) What are your thoughts? It's amazing how this so-called mecca of sports entertainment, this top of the mountain where everybody wants to be has to somehow take control of every aspect of your life, even the part that's kind of fun. Because the reason people Twitch stream, some people do it, of course, because, I mean, it's their livelihood, but also just a way to have fun. It's a little escape. The way they're doing it, they're taking the escape out of it. Like, uh, I wish I could be surprised, but in 2020, I'm not surprised with this fucking company anymore. Like, they have to try to do everything they can to get their grubby little fingers in every aspect to try to expand everything to prevent the eventual downfall. And it's just, it's fucking unbelievable some days. This is the equivocal of, like, if you got a second job and then your first job found out about it and they told you that the money you get at your second job comes out of your first job paycheck. Right, like, like that's really what they did. Like, you know, well, if you make a hundred dollars over there, it's minus the hundred we've given you over here. You work for both of us now. 
Like, isn't that crazy? That is the dumbest logic ever. Like, there's no logical reason behind this shit. But then again, what logic has there been in any decisions they've been making this year? Like, what bastards? Johnny Gargano also and Candice LeRae, they removed all of their, their third-party merchandise. Their pro wrestling tees merchandise is all gone. They put their whole, their whole Today's Your Last Chance to Get shirts on which their royalties are extremely high. So that is it. Those are gone. You cannot get those anymore. And uh, basically... They said that a lot of talent, according to Wrestling Observer, they said a lot of talent is livid. I don't think we needed a Wrestling Observer to tell us that. So, Look at incredible. Yeah, we are in the shit here. So it's so great to be in other companies where freaking Evil Uno doesn't have to worry about AEW taking control of his Twitch. It's his fucking Twitch. Yeah. Tell me about it. That is right. Yeah, a lot of these guys built this place so you can get to know the person behind the gimmick. I've seen Paige on her Twitch literally have full-blown just conversations with people. Yeah. And nobody talks anything about wrestling. Yeah, she tweeted out. She said, Twitch is my place, what I built with the with my wonderful fans, a place where people can go and feel some positivity and a little bit of normality, or normalcy, rather. Fun, interactive, non-judgmental, charitable place. I'm proud of what I built with my fan base. So, uh, yeah. I mean, that's that's her stance on it. And then basically somebody, one of the fans or something tweeted to her, basically telling her that it's not like she grinded from one viewer like most regular Twitch streamers did, that she used her momentum being a WWE superstar uh, to get the following that she got in Twitch, which I know a lot of people on Twitch have that salt about celebrities or people with some sort of uh, recognition coming in here. So then her response to that was not nah, difference is I grinded for 15 years for my fan base that I brought over to Twitch, also dropping raids and 50 bombs on smaller streamers to help them grow. Not for bitter people like you, though. Work hard and you'll get a fan base, too. So she roasted shit on that person. It's subjective whose side you agree with there. Yeah, like I said, it's subjective whose side you agree with there. But I just figured I would let you know what the deal was as far as that goes. Yeah, no. Uh, Dakota Kai was also somebody who was vocal about what was going on here. Uh, she said, uh, start, starting Twitch up again was purely for three reasons. To have fun as a gamer, communicate with y'all during a different year, and to give as much possible back to different charities. Thank you for all the continued support. And that's another thing. A lot of the time, these these uh, people would do charity streams that they're not going to be able to do anymore, where they would just decide that they're going to go for a specific charity and you stay in the stream and people would donate to it. That's off the table if they're streaming exclusively for WWE and the money goes to them. They don't control the money anymore to say where it goes in the streams. Exactly. I know Mia Yim does those streams all the time. Yeah. It's like just, it's amazing how they just take the fucking enjoyment out of stuff for people. Yeah. And then even Zelina Vega um, followed up with what Paige said. She said, and helped people, including me, get introduced to what is now my favorite platform filled with positive, like-minded, and amazing people just looking to have fun during hard times in the world. It's where people support each other and grow together. A family, always grateful to grow. And host charities for people and animals in need. Yesterday we raised enough money to help someone get their cat the surgery they need to survive. We love what we built and worked hard for. So, uh, yeah, they just talk about the fact that they're using basically their resources on Twitter. A lot of people who use Twitch, whatever streaming service, Trova, freaking Facebook gaming, uh, YouTube, a lot of people, whatever money they make goes back into the content that they're making and the things that they're doing and the people in their community. So, uh, 
it doesn't even go to them in a lot of cases unless you're like a super successful streamer. So it is shit that now you have to actually have someone who takes that money. That goes into resources. Like does WWE understand? And I can say that as like we're extremely small streamers and I can say do they understand that what goes into it? Like everything that they need in order to be able to stream all of the resources, the overlays, the way that everything works together and has to be done is not just like they sit down and do anything, at least not the people that are good at it. No, no, they don't because all they see is, ooh, money and more people will see our shitty product. This shit doesn't come pre-configured. We didn't just decide you press a button and it makes certain things go on and off. No, we had to make everything visually appear the way that it does and sound and look at the same time with everything working and all the moving parts and things. Scenes of this shit. You know, with with all the moving parts of everything. So it's just strange to me that it's just kind of, well, you're going to keep doing that, which I know is is definitely manual. I could say firsthand, but now we're going to we're going to take your money for it. That's crazy. Like, oh, at that wow. point, I'd be like, yo, fuck your contract. I'm going to go do my own fucking thing. Like, like, when you see Paige and she's standing in her overlays and her backgrounds and her graphics and all of those things pop up whenever she gets a donation or a follow, she did all that on her own. Just the same way we did it here with all of the graphics and things that you see in the visuals. And there are things to keep those things going behind the scene that if you don't know how to configure, you mess it up. So it's just and crazy to me that there could be someone who could take that. Loose. Yeah, it's crazy to me that someone would be able to do that. That is nuts. Absolutely nuts. See, shit like this is what puts this company at the bottom of the barrel. Like, it really does. damn the booking, damn the jobbing, all this bullshit. This piece of shit company literally was like, you know what? We're going to take everything you have and use it for us because we deserve it because we're WWE. They should have to hire their own people to maintain it then because I could say someone who has to maintain our, our look and stuff, our logos, our overlay, the screen we use to bring shit up, the, the sounds. It's, it's work. They should then each get their own person, their own intern hired to them that specifically handles everything to make sure that everything stays refreshed, that the chat room appears on the overlay screen, that the video feed is streaming to multiple sources, that it's recording a fucking backup MP3, you know, that the recent subscribers, followers and donations are always up to date at the top. Everything. They should have a fucking intern per person then if they're going to try to take it. None of it, none of it is automated. None of it. None whatsoever. It's crazy. They should even pay for the internet. They should all provide their own internet because you know what? When you look at places like Spectrum and Verizon, they have employees and all of their employees, since they need internet to work, are given their own internet. So how about a WWE? If you're telling everybody they have to work off of the internet, who's paying for the internet they're working off of? You're providing them, I'm assuming? No, of course they wouldn't involve because all these cheap fuckers are back to pay money. Which, I mean, hey, they're just loving to save, 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 and save. But yet they got this asshat room of writers. Yo, fuck this company, bro. Like, AEW can book like shit till the fucking cows come home. They still yeah. don't do jack diddly shit like this. Yeah. Fucking joke. Andrew Yang, of course, had stuff to say about this entire situation. Uh, he said, this would be infuriated to me if I had spent time building up my social media channels only to have WWE take them over from their quote-unquote independent contractors. People are angry and rightfully so. So once again, angry Andrew Yang, he's in the crosshairs here. You know, he has them in his crosshairs. If anybody can support this man, support him in any way so we can bury his fucking company, please. Yeah. Its existence has gone long enough. Look at the flowers, WWE. Look at the fucking flowers. Yeah. And then recently, between uh, the last couple of hours, Paige then went on to tweet, learned a lot about unionism today. And then uh, Zelina put like a thinking emoji going, hmm... So uh, I don't know if that's fire they want to play with this company, but you know it's going in that direction. It's like I almost don't see how it won't go in that direction. You know what the funny thing about it is, they're, 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 this company's not intelligent enough to win that fight. 
They got you. You can have all the money you want if you have the IQ of a dead snail. Doesn't work out for you three too well. Because because Paige and Zelina both know they got Andrew Yang's in their crosshairs. They got Andrew. You got their Andrew um and Andrew Yang's crosshairs now. Oh, sorry, I was loading up our next thing here. Jesus Christ, that scared shit out of me. Too. See, but, I hate like, the headphones, right? Don't they get on your nerves? <laughs> I got these big ass, these fucking rig, rig three hundreds and shit. But no, like they at this point, maybe a few years ago, that would have been a game you didn't want to play. WWE ain't man to play that game now because they have too much shit that's been that's basically been brought to the light since the pandemic's happened. They got too many eyes on them that at this point, if somebody decides to pull the trigger, they are fucked. They can have yeah. all the money they want, but they're still going to sit there wondering, okay, uh, why do you need to keep their Twitch accounts? Why did you fire all these people when you didn't need to save the money? Yeah. Listen, this is a company that still, it, um, I hate to sound like Morpheus, but there's still a company that exists within a system that they rely fully on. And you have to remember that about them, meaning that they do things within their legal boundary. Uh, just to even give you an example, when we did our post show for the NXT TakeOver, they actually blocked it. They muted and they blocked it because on bounds that are, it contained their content because we used the clips they upload of the NXT TakeOver aftermath in our discussion about what's going on. That being said, that's just it. We're using it within our discussion, reviewing the content. So uh, upon getting this notification, you know, I put in my counterclaim, basically saying that we use the content on the grounds of fair use. We're reviewing and discussing the subject material, et cetera, et cetera. I woke up 21 hours ago to a notification saying WWE accepted your dispute and released their claim on your video. I digress. We're, we're by no means CBS or NBC or anything like that. But the point being that... uh. They will always work within the bounds of the system. So it's a matter of, uh, like you said, people having to step up and uh, just work within the system, as strange as it's going to sound. Uh, and they may not like it when they start doing that, because if they do unionize, it'll be a big deal. And the only way the WWE will be able to counter the effects of that will be to relinquish. Before this happens, I think would be smart. Relinquish any of that. Just say, you know what? Start treating them like independent contractors right now before they unionize. Good, let them have all their shit back. Like right now, quick before Andrew Yang comes. But the funny thing about it is, is they won't. So have fun with that, WWE. Like at this point, they're, they're not smart enough to realize, hey, if we actually start acting like an actual company and treat these guys how they're classified, maybe it won't fuck us over in the end. All they see is, oh, we're WWE. We're the Mecca. We do what we want. <sighs> I think it's important anyone no matter what your position is in the world have some sort of awareness do some research have some consciousness about life around you and just the things the do's and the don'ts that affect you i'm not saying you have to be renownedly and as far as globally aware but at, at, at a level like this i think it's important that the wrestlers do start learning like Paige and and uh Zelina saying that they're learning about unions that's great and everything but i think they're this should have probably come a long time ago you know Pause that Mario Kart a couple of times and, and check out unions. Yeah, you know, make sure you at least know the inner workings of that, you know. So uh, Ryback uh, spoke on his show a little bit about this. I just wanted you guys to hear a snippet. I'm going to link you to the whole thing. We know the percentages in WWE are oftentimes uh, heavily favored uh, to the promoter, to Vince. Um, now you're dealing with uh, something with social media. A lot of these guys have built up their followings on there. 
and you're going to count it against their downside, my thing is, well, then their contract should be restructured, every single one of them, to incorporate uh, and increase. Everyone should get a raise then based off of this prior, right. just if they're going to keep it this way, because now they're taking their their revenue on that and they're counting it towards their downside, which they're going to pay them less on other things now, and they're going to increase the, their bottom line. Um, this is greed at its finest. I understand protecting brands, but when talent, it, the the talent all have a choice there where they don't have to. If everyone just said we're not doing this, they wouldn't be able to do anything about it. The problem is, is that's not what's going on. And in all fairness, and, and when you got new people starting out, you're going to do whatever you're told. That's the name of the game. You have no power. You don't have a lot of money. Most guys don't have anything saved up for quite a long time there with how the pay structure is, even though the pay is better. It, it's it's a frustrating thing. I'm glad I'm not involved in it and part of it, quite frankly. But but that just goes to show you just how screwed up everything is. Like I said, because I think if you're going to do this, though, they all should then their contracts should be renegotiated to incorporate this new addition into it. They're not doing that, I promise you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll see what comes. Of- yeah, you see, you make some good points, right? Yeah, make it to where nobody's taking as much of a hit. Well, they shouldn't take any like, hit. I don't even think they should have to re, re, leave it out of their contracts. You know? But no, they have to have control. Like, you could do everything within as many legal boundaries as you want. If you're a piece of shit about it, you need to get that clap back. And they're literally just being the biggest piece of shit about it. Like, you no, like it really, we're going to make know. it to where we're going to take this and only we're going to gain for it. You sound like it really, on a personal level, bothers you. The way you know these, what it <laughs> is? It's because I've See, I've been in some of these guys like the Page and the Drake Mavericks and all their chat rooms, and you see just the enjoyment that they just get to just be in this little bubble and have these conversations with these people who just literally want to be in their presence. And it's just because it's their own thing. It's kind of like like the chat room is for us. Yeah, We come in these chat rooms for Raw and SmackDown. It's not, oh, it's Rick and Destin of Talk Brunch talking to all their followers. It's us talking to our friends. And it's like, imagine if somebody just says, no, this is ours now, and we'll let you have it. Yeah, you make but, us all like, it's, it's more of like a, from like a content creator's point of view where I think it bothers me. Yeah, it's crazy. It makes sense to choose between like some two things they like, too, because it's like they still do like wrestling. And that is a platform to wrestle on. And I have to choose between another platform, which makes no sense. It's like you're one job charging you for the other job it makes no sense whatsoever. And it's like WWE can give a fuck about their followers. They could they be using that income. About what they built. Like I said before, they don't provide you medical. They could be using that Twitch income to pay for their own medical insurance. It, it's just crazy to me you would take that and then leave them empty-handed when it has nothing to do with them whatsoever. Uh, it's pretty gross. Disgusting. Like I said, I wish we lived in a more conscious world of the kind of stuff that's going on. You know? Yeah. But unfortunately, we do not. Yeah, it is a shame. Yeah. Well, let's move on to some tougher stories that's why i start off light and we start to get deeper and go further into the uh, the deep end here it gets so, worse so and this this connects to us and it always will connect to us for the foreseeable future as much as we don't try to get political on here nonetheless like i would report for any other wwe hall of famer donald trump tested positive for covid happens to be the president of the united states currently was a wwe hall of famer first nonetheless uh, I'm sure you guys already all heard about it. How could you not? Everyone's a politician on your social media nowadays, no matter what. Everyone knows exactly what's going on. 
Uh, there's been like a lot of critical stuff that has happened. Like there's been people who have outright gotten satisfaction out of uh, him catching the virus. Yeah, man, it's crazy. Wife, and I find that pretty crazy. Like uh, there are people that I look at and I'm just ashamed uh, when I see them that I've ever even known them uh, that talk about this. Uh, there are people in the uh, industry, Val Venus, uh, thankfully was one of the people who said, uh, you know, he told people to fuck off with uh, saying that Trump should have wore a mask. Yeah, fuck, fuck off with the Trump should have wore a mask. Masks don't work. Everyone has been wearing masks and yet people still get COVID. It's a virus. Ain't no mask going to stop its spread. I, I have to disagree. I say masks help. It doesn't guarantee it, but it lessens the chances. You know, wearing it still doesn't guarantee it. But you're lessening the possibility of the spread. But for people to behave like, aha, and the reason he got it is because he didn't wear a mask. We don't know for certain what the reason is. And he's never been anti-mask whenever he's been asked. They've mentioned so Again, I want to remind you guys that I am completely neutral. I have no Republican or Democratic allegiances. Uh, I'm on neither side. I am always just an observer of facts and information. And when I observe these facts, I like to bring them to you guys. And it just so happens that I just see a lot of bullshit. If I so happen to see a lot of bullshit on one side or the other, it's not because I'm biased towards one or against one side or the other. It's just me giving you the information as I see it presented. That being said, whenever I see Trump in a conference, I've never heard him really put down. Like he's pulled out masks and showed people that he uh, he puts it on when he's within close proximity of people and uh, takes it off when he's not, when there's a lot of distance. Which, depending on the circumstances and the responsibility of the people, that can be effective. But he's had his mask on him whenever someone's asked him. So it's like it's just weird that they've uh, made this perception where the man is uh, anti-mask and I haven't really seen it. Again, I'm going to keep emphasizing I'm neutral here. I'm just telling you what I've seen. And, uh, you know, I don't agree. I saw people putting out stuff, you know, just a lot of people within the wrestling community that were just sort of trolling at the fact that he got it. I saw a lot of peers, even former peers of ours, putting things that were just kind of gross, uh, that you would think that people would have more taste than to be so fucking disgusting, man. It's like a virus that we almost don't know anything about that came out of nowhere, that we've had literal months to study and, dis- and determine what it is and how it works and what the after effects are going to be. And people are like, fucking having no sympathy towards the fact that somebody got it whether or not you agree with the guy's political views or not uh you know look at how they treat this man you know what i mean it makes no sense to me whatsoever and a lot of the people that are doing it don't have the intellectual and i'm not even saying this from a pretentious or prestigious place but they don't have the the brain or the mind and it's okay because a lot of people don't have the mind to play freaking command and conquer no matter how hard i try an asian always beats me but at the end of the day you know what i mean so a lot of people don't have the political mind that they need to be able to truly assess what we're talking about when we talk about their, their, you know, the different things that they're going to have, you know, the different rights that they're going to put into play, their policies, if you will. Like you have to understand what the guys are offering on a policy level and how what they didn't deliver, what they promised to deliver and what the effects were. And I kind of feel like when people talk about Trump, especially um, left Democrats, it, it, it's from a emotional level. Like everything I feel coming from the Democratic side seems to be based on emotions and feelings. And, uh, I think that's just a scary place to position yourself when it comes to things like that. You know, Jericho put uh, put out a tweet, basically. Well, Ryback, too. Ryback put out love and positive energy to the president of the United States and the first lady of the United States. And, wish, and wishing death on anyone is never acceptable. You know, and then Jericho put whether you like the president or not, people who are literally wishing him dead are, are out of line, not cool. And I'm not going to debate that, you know. 
I want some of uh, your thoughts. I mean, so coming from somebody who, on a personal note, has a couple of friends just recently found out have COVID, not some shit you wish on somebody. Like, this thing is killing people, all right? And the people that it doesn't kill, they are miserable. I could give a shit how you feel about Donald Trump. The, the man does not know you from a hole in the wall and does not give a shit about what you tweet. The, if, if the, like, concern talking about, like, oh, you when Jericho said, like, you wish death on another person. Imagine if the roles are reversed and you're the one who catches COVID. Do you want somebody to wish death on you? Probably not. So why is it okay for you to do it to anybody else? What, because you don't like what he tweeted one day? Don't like one thing he said on like a half interview you were paying attention? Like it, I don't, I, I'll never understand it. Like when I woke up to the news that he got sick, I had the exact reaction I've had any other play, to any other person who's ever gotten COVID. Hope you get better soon. Because that's like that's the reaction a normal human being with half a conscious has. I but then again, I guess when you sit in front of Twitter all day, you don't really have time for much of a conscious. It's such a hypocritical soul to have. It's fucking disgusting. Like <laughs> you basically accuse somebody of uh of being careless and heartless, and then you exhibit uh those those exact uh, characteristics. And I just think that it sucks. You know, and again, I don't get political. I try not to get political on here, but I do observe politics and I never take a side. But I want to present some information to you guys just so that you're clear about what happens. Okay, and you make your own decisions. All right. But I I feel like it's important that we don't just talk about wrestling on here when shit like this course is over. Um, So MVP, he got upset because during the presidential debates, which were a big mess, uh, they asked President Trump to condemn white supremacists. And uh, the way that he did it was essentially offensive to a lot of people because he specifically asked Biden, who do you want me to condemn? Tell me their name and I'll say it. He said, who do you want me to condemn? And uh, Biden yells out Proud Boys. And then uh, Trump basically says, Proud Boys, stand back and stand by. Uh, Something along those lines, basically. Uh, Just sort of telling them to stand by you know but um mvp says still stand by and he's like an mvp is like seriously this is not funny at all so uh a couple things that i want to just discuss are about the debate which by the way don't don't watch highlights of the debate if you're curious enough please watch the whole thing i sat and i watched the entire thing because i think it's important during this debate trump got a lot of heat for interrupting But if you look back, when I looked back at the debate, Biden was the first one to break form and interrupt him. And he interrupted Trump when he started to explain something that was making sense to fill you in. And I'm not going to stay on this too politically, but just again, I just feel like giving you information and you deciding the Democrats. What they're upset about was that Trump filled the seat in the Supreme Court that was left by the late Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Because according to the Democrats, her dying wish was that this seat not be filled until the next president is elected. So Trump points out that he's president for four years, not three. And just because we're in the middle of an election doesn't mean that he currently doesn't have the power to nominate the next person for that seat because that's not how the rules work. He is correct, though. 
if you're president and you win the presidency, you're there for four years. You can't be, well, now we're here for three years. So we know you're gone next year. So because it was this woman's dying wish, assuming it was, which I don't know who said that or, or who in the Democratic side heard her dying wish, but was to assume that this happened. Uh, so her dying wish was that we don't elect somebody for her seat, which essentially the reason is because the Democrats want to be able to have control of the Supreme Court, which they wouldn't have if Donald Trump, obviously, being the president, would elect somebody in there who's right wing, who will be a Republican, which is not something that they would want to have. Someone who favors him is what he would do. I mean, strategically, if you're the president playing the political game, that is what you were doing. That's what the Democrats would expect. So instead of being able to just stick within the rules, Emotion was brought into it because it became, but what about, what about Ruth Bader Ginsburg's final wish, where she said that she doesn't want anyone to fill the role? So the, that, does that sound political to you, though, that we're going by dying wishes and, and the feelings and shit, when at the end of the day, the guy was right? Anyway, I don't want to go too deep into that. But the point being that... uh. That was what Trump was arguing, that he's president for four years, not three, and that the election's going on, and now we're going to hold the decisions that he would make to let the next guy make it to give them the rule. So this, this is what I mean where he starts interrupting further. Again, just an observation. I'm neutral here. I don't give a shit either way. But then Trump makes a valid point against Biden because he asked him about law enforcement parties that support him because Trump's point was that you never really hear the Democrats uh, being uh, negative against these rallies and these protests or anything, even though a lot of these, although maybe meant with great intentions and a lot of them are peaceful, it does sort of uh, inspire unfortunate events of violence at times and some of them just turn violent inadvertently but the point that he was making was that you never really hear the democrats do it because a lot of the people according to him are left and that's the reason why they're out there protesting and the democrats aren't going to put something against them because in a sense his his implication is they can look at it and go look at how terrible this is look at all the bad things that are happening and then he basically to further drive this point asked biden what law enforcement parties support him and his Democratic Party? And then he said, we have time. I'll wait. And Biden kind of went, no, we don't have time. But the point was that there literally were no law enforcement parties that the Democratic side could say. He even said at one point, Trump tells him, you know, you're scared to say the words law and order. Your side is terrified to say law and order. And a lot of people are saying that that's the point where they lost a lot of people, especially women with children and stuff, that that's really what concerns them is law and order. And that's something that he was very adamant about, about, you know. The fact that a lot of the states that are right wing allowed the National Guard to come in and take care of the rioting very quickly, where a lot of the left wing states did not allow it to happen. And those states stood in chaos. These are the points that this man was bringing up. And a lot of that, most of that is accurate. So uh, these are again, I'm just bringing you the information upon my research. I research this stuff just like I do the wrestling unbiased. I'm just bringing you it. I try to reference and find whatever information that I can here. So he had a valid point there where it's like the Democrats don't seem too concerned with law enforcement, which is something that you have to be think about in regards to who it is that you want to deal with. Uh, But instead of talking about the fact that they have never really supported law enforcement, they try to uh, deflect the focus more towards this uh, white supremacist stuff. And they sort of twisted the words there to make him look bad because he didn't know who the Proud Boys were. But you hear Biden is the first one to name because really it's rare that you hear anybody on the Republican side name any uh, 
party or any or any group that they think is negative to give these guys press or media but it was like it's funny that biden was the first to throw a name out there and trump not knowing who they were just a stand back stand by poor choice of words but i don't think he meant stand by like uh like there was so many conclusions um, to like when he said stand by he's basically saying like if i lose then you guys what reign terror that's not exactly what was done there you know what i mean that doesn't make any sense to him. And then the other thing was the debate was supposed to be about issues. Let's not forget these are about one policy versus the other. That's the original core of these debates. But Biden's whole argument was defaming Trump's character. He never really talked about the issues. And even up to the point where he stopped to encourage people to vote, his strong point wasn't that they'd have him as president. It was that they could get rid of Trump. Go back and listen to his words. He didn't talk about anything positive with him. He just talked about the negative with Trump. He never once said what he would do. It was just all about how shitty Trump was. And then a lot of it was uh, was was like... Like, I guess, debunked and easily speculative, you know? So, I mean, and again, let the, the Proud Boys, the name that was thrown out there, you know, I did a little research. There. I come to find out that they actually have Hispanic leaders and they, they, they don't seem to be the kind of white supremacists or any kind of white supremacists unless they're completely misleading. As they went as far as they're going to be suing Biden and CNN for portraying them that way. You know what I mean? Like, this is a legit. Like, these guys decided that they're going to sue Biden and CNN for the fact that they decided to call them white supremacists when they're nothing of the sort. So as much as everybody's saying, oh, the Proud Boys and everything, when you really look into these guys, and I'm just saying, look for yourself. I'm not voicing my own opinion here, but you tell me if what you see matches what you're being told here. Because this is an interview with the Proud Boys. I'm going to link you guys to the entire thing with the leader or something. We have repeatedly criticized the the vice president for not specifically calling out Antifa and other left-wing extremist groups. But are you willing tonight to condemn white supremacists and militia groups and to say that they need to stand down and not add to the violence in a number of these cities, as we saw in Kenosha and as we've seen in Portland. Let's try to jump ahead a little bit. But you guys already saw the debate. We're going to run that part. Source on this. We're joined now by Gavin. Okay, so here we go here. By Beijing Biden, this the is group the Chris it was named Salcedo by him, show. as being white supremacists. We decided to go directly to the source on this. We're joined now by Gavin McGinnis. He is the host of Get Off My Lawn on Censored.tv and the founder of The Proud Boys, sir. Welcome back to Newsmax TV. Uh, Gavin, right off the bat, I, I, I looked into your group. Unlike the press, we actually do our homework here. And now we have found evidence that The Proud Boys has black members. Uh, the current leader of The Proud Boys is a, is a Latino named Enrique Tario. Uh, can you respond to Beijing Biden and Chris? Yo, white supremacist Enrique Tario. I'm going to let this keep going, though. Keeping my opinion out of it. <laughs> Wallace and the rest of the basket of bias press that are calling blacks, whites and browns racists in Proud Boys. Yeah, I can respond. I'm suing them. I'm suing Joe Biden. I'm suing CNN. All of these reporters that call this multiracial patriotic group white supremacists and Nazis, as far as I'm concerned, that's the new N-word. You call me a Nazi, that's as bad as any other racial epithet. Those people killed six million Jews, and to call us that is a deep-seated insult. So we're not tolerating it anymore. I already sued the SPLC for calling the Proud Boys a hate group, and now we're going to start getting litigious with everyone. It's the only way to fight back, because the justice system doesn't do it. You know, we got two guys in jail right now for fighting Antifa. When Antifa started the fight, it was mutual combat. Mm-hmm. No, I, I understand. My understanding is that the, the Proud Boys was founded as a response to uh, Antifa. And, and Antifa, at this point, Antifa 
when you go to Antifa.com, you go right to Beijing Biden's campaign page. Uh, Do you think that's the reason why he named you guys as opposition? Because he didn't want to disrupt his his money flow and you guys are opposing Antifa. So he didn't want to disrupt that. He called us white supremacists because he is senile. The man is is mentally weak. And when you're incurious and your brain is going, which seems to be about half the American population these days, then the tiki, tiki torch guys in Charlottesville and Patriot Prayer and militia uh, and three percenters and Trump supporters, they're all the same. And the KKK in these people's minds, it's all the same group, even though the KKK hates all of uh, Proud Boys and people like Enrique, but they're incapable of nuance. So they go, oh, you like Trump, you're a Nazi, you're a white supremacist. When was the last time you bumped into a white supremacist? It's like as common as albino skateboarders, but it comes up in the news every damn day. It's infuriating. I had to come go work on some cars or I was about to have a nervous breakdown because I've said I'm not racist. (laughs) But the leader of the Proud Boys, Enrique Tario, a black Cuban, is not the head of a white supremacist. Enrique Tario. The way we have to say this literally hundreds of times and to the tune of by the way tens of thousands of dollars legally so anyway that guy doesn't sound like a my, my, my opinion i'm just again just looking at the facts of these guys the fact that they're suing for this the fact that they're offended the fact that they're and enrique tario is their fucking leader is i'm just saying look at both sides of this thing before we jump to any crazy conclusions and it's it's still crazy to think that they would uh wish the president sick because of something like that without even looking into it and it's sad when i look on twitter because during the elections four years ago so many were doing what they're doing exactly now angry tweeting hate tweeting and it's going to be just as effective this time around and then they're going to go on for another four years doing exactly what they were doing the whole time but it's really sad to me that these people uh choose to get sick also just last week we spoke a little bit about the rock and the fact that he was um going to be supporting biden and then val venus got angry and he said that the rock signed up with uh you know the the elite side you know the illuminati blah blah whatever you will call it the evil organization for me with the rock thing it's not even really about that it's just that the democratic side i feel like and especially with people like the rock i feel like they're insulting our intelligence you know what i mean like when you really look at the rock and you look at what was said during this, keep in mind that this is politics, people, and that what you want to know is what they're planning on doing, what their policies are. Every time you hear anything from the from the left side, including in this interview, the only thing that you hear them talking about is emotions, feelings and all. Like, yo, listen to this interview because we never we didn't really go into the part last week. Listen to this. Imagine if a job interview anywhere had this as the qualification. Listen, tell me where politics comes up in this. Hey, CJ. Hey, Hi. Hi. <laughs> uh, hey guys, I, I got to tell you, well, it, it is so good seeing you guys. Uh, Senator Harris, it's a pleasure to finally see you and finally meet you. Thank you. It is a pleasure to see you. I'm a huge fan of everything from Fast and Furious, all of them to Jumanji. So thank you for your work. <laughs> thank you so much. Well, well, thank you. Thank you for your work. Um, let me start off by saying, guys, I've been a lucky guy over the years in, in my life and my career to, to have been part of and participated in some real defining moments. And I have never publicly endorsed a presidential candidate or a vice presidential candidate um, in my life, over my career. So I figured let's kick this conversation off this way by me officially uh, publicly endorsing you both 
uh, to become president and vice president of our great country. Thank oh, you, that's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's means a great incredible. deal to us, for real. Thank really. you. Really. Thank you. You guys are, are, are both obviously experienced to lead. You've done great things. Joe, you've had such an incredible career. You, you've led, in my opinion, with great compassion and, and heart and drive, uh, but also soul. And you and I talked about that in the past and how important soul is. And uh, Kamala, I'm going to embarrass you just for a little bit because I'm going to talk a little bit about your, uh, your amazing experience. And you have been an attorney, a district attorney, a state attorney, uh, a U.S. senator, smart tough. I've seen you in those hearings. And um, in, in my opinion, you are a certified badass. I am honored and thank you for that. So all we know so far is that they lead with heart and soul and that they're tough and they have a lot of emotions. I'm going to let this keep, keep in mind. Let's hear, let's hear what else we hear about them besides their heart and soul, like the shit they're going to be doing, because that's where The Rock endorsed them. That's a huge Which, By the way, he endorsed them before he asked them questions. Compliment from you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Joe, you and I have talked about the relationship that you had with your, with your father. You know, this idea of respect and, and earning respect that our parents have taught us. My dad always said, respect is given when it's earned. A uh, question I had is, how will the both of you earn the respect of all the American people once you're in that White House? By doing what we say we're going to do, by keeping our word, by leveling with the American people, by taking responsibility. When we fail, acknowledge it. We're not going to be perfect, to be, but take responsibility. Say, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I believe. And tell the truth. That sounds so basic. But the American people are strong. They're tough. They can take anything if you level with them and tell the truth. And one of the ways we're going to do it is demonstrate we mean what we say. Our administration, DJ, is going to look like America. It's going to be representative of all of America. Absolutely, Kamala. How, how, do, you, how do you feel? So Biden's answer is that he's going to lead with the truth and that they mean what they say and that they're going to be honest about the truth. And they're going to be very truthful about the things that they tell the truth about. There'll be honesty in this truthful, truthful world. Everything's going to be very truthy. Okay? America. Truth. Yeah. So we got heart and soul and truth. So for those are the things that are going to help with this country. So let's keep going a little bit. See what Kamala Harris is going to say. Phil, how do we earn it? How do we earn it with our own two hands? Well, you know, to your point, DJ, um, so uh, it's about trust. Right? Oh, shit, I forgot trust. And as we know, the nature of trust is that, like Joe was saying, and you've said, it's a reciprocal relationship. You give. You know, this sounds to me like when you find a good stoner girl to take a bong hit with. Like, listen to her. Let's go back a little bit here. Like, doesn't she sound like someone who just took the, the only bong hit? Like, that's a bong answer right there. Write it down. That's a bong answer. That's the yes. bong answer. Listen yeah. to her here. And imagine her being a hippie. How do you, how do you feel? How That's what sounds like a hippie conversation. Listen to this. Two hands. Well, you know, to your point, DJ, I'm, so uh, it's about trust, right? And as we know, the nature of trust is that, like Joe was saying, and, and you've said, it's a reciprocal relationship. You give and you receive trust. Yes. And one of the foundations of trust is truth. You must be truth, but here's the reality. Truth can sometimes be really difficult to hear. And for that reason, sometimes people don't speak it. But you cannot have trust if you don't speak truth. You know that as a parent. You can't have truth without speaking trust. You have to speak truth. 
And as long as there is an understanding that it is being spoken not to confront, not to hurt, but to deal with things Do you hear the way like they must be session. handled. It's not like a fucking. I think that's that has to be part of the core of 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 what we it do as we like go forward. You, because what is the core? To your point, we're facing as a country so many challenges, and people are grieving. I mean, people are grieving so the loss of life, the loss of jobs, the loss get told of shit. certainty, the loss of normalcy, and to heal and get through this, we're going to have to be honest about what healing will require. Well, what will healing yes. require? And, and see, the rock is going, yes. That's one of the things that Joe and I but she really say anything, Rock. Comment, which is we're motivated by Motivated by healing? healing. What the fuck does that, that mean? Can someone tell me on a political level, going. what does we're motivated by healing mean? This is a conversation you would definitely have around a campfire. To take. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You know, and, and, and to that and, point. And to that point. To what point? with a scenario <laughs> and people who you care about. And obviously we, you guys, all of us care deeply about our American people. Um, th- that, when you, you mentioned the word decency, you mentioned, mentioned the word decency, respect, respect, honesty, honesty truth. This, but it's also, it leads right into making progress, but through a humanity. humanity. And how important that progress is. But, but no one said what the fuck they're going to do. And, um, and thank you for saying that. Truth and progress oh my god rock listen i don't care if we're in the minority we've always been in the minority that's what talk brunch is the minority i know no no one from my community buys this bullshit right i don't care again i'm not on either side i'm just an observer but i mean there's no way that you can't see that we're being fed bullshit especially if people have to watch promos going back plus six years there was nothing political about that shit Anybody, you could put your four-year-old daughter to sit and watch that, and she she would be able to, like, there was nothing that you would lose. It was all about truth and honor and justice and peace and shit. Like, no one really said what they were going to do, just about their hearts. No one had a plan or anything. There wasn't even, like, a question thrown out there. It was just joy and happiness and miracle. Fuck yeah. And also, I got to say, the format of those debates was a little bit questionable, in my opinion, too. Because you had the mediator who said he wanted to be there like a silent person who you hardly know that he's there when you knew he was there. Then you had this weird system where it was like you each get two minutes to answer a question. A lot of the time, Trump would go first and then they would have the uh, they would have Biden go afterwards. But what Biden would say would always end the last minute with him burying Trump or slandering him in some way. So then Trump can't really respond. Because the two minutes are up, so he would try to speak because he doesn't really get to defend himself. But then when he started to speak, the dude would sort of have like this open, this weird thing between the two minutes where it was like, this is now open discussion where you're both allowed to speak. But the moment that Trump starts to hit valid points, I noticed the guy would be like, okay, open discussion over, moving back on to the two minutes. Like it was weird, like it was trying to, to control the flow. Go back and watch that shit, man. I'm just saying, you know, go back and watch what, what we did here. I watched the whole thing. Because, again, I, we're trained. We've been doing this since 2014. We're trained to just grab information and organize it and try to get the, the correct shit out of it. And I'm just saying, as someone who has you know, no, I have no, good, again, sense. I swear to you guys, I have no horse in this race whatsoever. I think we're screwed no matter what with the way the world is. But I just think that you're being bullshitted a little bit on one side. I really have to say, when I'm looking at this situation, one side seems full of shit to me. And again, if you see it differently, you're, you're entitled to your opinion. But uh, there's just certain things here that don't, like the spider sense has to be tingling. If, you, if you've been listening to us for this long, man, come on. There's something fucking strange here, man. Look, look what we just saw. Do your own investigating. Get back to me. DM me about it. Debate me about it if you want. But I'm just saying, based on my observations of the way that this was being handled, uh, 
Just look at both sides a little bit careful. That's all I'm going to say. Anyway, I want to get the fact app out of here. And I know we still have a lot of stories to go through. So I just wanted to leave that there at that important point. Um, I'm going to talk about a few unfortunate things that have been going on, uh, including Michael Elgin. I'm going to get him up on the screen. I know I'm slow to the trigger here. I still had all the, uh, the pol- political shit in front of me. Um, okay, what do we got here with Michael Elgin? Michael Elgin apparently said that uh, he's going to rehab. He said that over the last few years, his injuries piled up. Uh, and he didn't want to take time off. A neck injury when he wrestled Eddie Edwards. And uh, he was self-medicated. And he um, he said he tries not to talk about those struggles because in his head he's supposed to show toughness. So he's going to be going to rehab. So definitely wish him the best. Good luck, dude. Yeah, it is definitely rough out there with that kind of stuff, you know. Uh, also, uh, unfortunately, I'm trying to remember Sarah Del Rey. What is her name on here now? Uh, Jesus Christ, I just passed by with Sarah. It's Sarah Stock. I feel like she got into Sarah some Stock. trouble, too, didn't she? Did I? Yeah, I believe uh, she got arrested. Yeah, I got to look to see if I have that story. Somehow, I think it escaped me. Give me a moment. All I remember about, about this was that it did happen on Sunday. Yeah, I'll get the information. Yeah, I know. I read it earlier. That is a botch on my part. But yeah, that's crazy. They released they released this girl, and it goes to show how fast your life falls out without stability and income. That it's like you never hear a single bad thing about her. And uh, yeah, apparently PW Insider said she was arrested in Evansville, Indiana, Sunday, October fourth at four thirty-five a.m., charged with aggravated battery, resisting law enforcement, disorderly conduct, and public intoxication by alcohol. She was released by Van- Vandenberg Sheriff's Department, but taken into custody on Sunday. Uh, we don't know when her court date is. Wow. What the hell? Right. And it was only, what, maybe a month or two ago we heard about her getting released? During what the world's going through, everyone's energy is a little bit off. And whatever stability people can hang on to, they're trying to. So when you do something like that and you sweep somebody under the rug, and I'm not directly blaming WW, but I am kind of saying that, you know, it that kind of stuff can be known to contribute you know someone loses their job it wouldn't be the weirdest thing to hear that they've been seen having public intoxication afterwards you know and it's kind of like the timing of it i just find interesting and it makes you question whether or not someone like this would have been in that situation if she would have still been working on the wwe umbrella which again i kind of feel like that stability is and this is the reason i don't think this company is going to get back its credibility to the level it had anyway because that's what i think a lot of people sort of tolerated their shit for as much as they think it's because of the notoriety and getting your name out there which they've proven they could do via twitch and other wrestling federations i think one of the things that keeps people anchored into something like wwe is the stability the fact that you're part of a yeah. big corporation you know god forbid something happens or the world goes down or something you know you're part of the one of the biggest corporations and you'll be okay but it's quite the opposite everyone who was outside of this corporation was safer than the people on the inside. And it just goes to show that somebody like that who had that job as that trainer and came in here, you know, got got cut loose and then things like this happen. It's kind of shitty. Yeah. The timing doesn't do them any kind of favors because it make it makes it to where you almost can blame them. It's like she was fine while she was there. No problems. All of a sudden she gets released and arrested. All it yeah. takes is one thing, especially the way the world is now, and then that's it. Yeah, that that's really heartbreaking, though, you know? Yeah. Like, I remember her as a, as a good wrestler in RH, and again, you just hear about the people and the things that they contribute to this business just, just to be thrown to the side like that. Yeah, and the girls on yeah. the PC loved her. 
Yeah. I always felt like when we first got into this and we started talking about this, that the aftermath of where we're going to start hearing the, the most heartbreaking stuff and really seeing some of people's true color showing like, you know, I kind of feel like if you went through this and you haven't gone through any kind of personal growth as a person, then you are truly lost. And I really mean that. I think anyone who's alive through 2020, uh, in some ways, you should have matured and grown like who you are and what you represent and the kind of things that you stand for. And Jesus Christ, the fact that we're in a situation where we can, uh, where a company with as much money as them couldn't take care of their own, you know, how much money would it really cost to give these people like a place and a spot in, in, in your organization versus how much money you saved? Yeah, we talked before about how they released all those people and didn't need to release a single one. Yeah, it's 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 really sad. And then now to even take it a step further, these people are going through releases. You're furloughing people, which I get it. Some people have come back from furlough. I have the names here. We, we, I might, might not even talk about it this week, but it still doesn't equate to the amount of people that they've cut loose. And now the income that was supplemented during the time of this, a lot of them, it was them, them being on Twitch. A lot of people who weren't being used, they were on Twitch. A lot of people started really getting their momentum during this. A lot of these platforms started picking up during this. And now you're going to start seeing that there's money in another pot of gold and you're going to dig your hands in there. I think that's just really terrible. And then in the meantime, you got people like this who don't have a position who you could be focusing on, but you don't. You're too busy trying to hijack everybody's twitches when you could just be taking care of people. Yeah, it, it, it just it's just really sucks, man. I hope she does all right, man. I hope that you know people screw yeah. up and make mistakes. I hope she come back from that. You know, and alcohol does suck. There was a point where I, where I kind of just stayed away because of just health. I kind of feel healthier without it, uh, but kind of missed it. And then I kind of hit like a threshold. It was like, you know, I don't even really miss it or think about kind of like when I see a bottle of I feel kind of grossed out. And I guess because for me, it's more what it represents nowadays versus what it used to be. It's become less recreational, or more abusive in a lot of cases. And that's because really publicly with what was been going on in the world, there aren't really as many public social situations to drink in anymore. There's not really bars or taverns or cookouts or anything for the summer. So really, when people are drinking, they're drinking toxically. So at a time when I had a really I cut loose from that, it just made it all the more of an enforcement. I'm like, nah, fuck it. Like, you know, I can see why someone would resort to that. And I do uh, hope she gets out of it. Yeah, sometimes you need to de-stress, but you got to know when to stop it. Just like, OK, you just need to take the edge off. Yeah, exactly. And I'm a firm believer in free will. Live how you want to live as long as you're not harming anybody else. But when once she got to a point where, she, where police are involved and things like that are happening, uh, it's, it's just kind of sad to hear about. All right. Anyway, moving on to update on Tegan Knox, uh, who we talked about before. She was suffering an injury on here. Uh, apparently, from what we're hearing from Wrestling Observer, they said that uh, this wasn't something that happened in the ring. Apparently, uh, it happened in rehab. Like, it was like it just popped. Like, she tore her ACL in rehab. It wasn't training or anything. Like, it just sort of popped so it's not it's not good that that happened it's basically a general concern obviously i don't have to tell you that but uh, this is the reason they wrote her out of that storyline so you know exactly what happened to her you know? that's crazy to have you injured yourself during rehab she has a bummed leg man and that's scary not only is it scary on a physical level but on a, on a mental level that's going to be something that always fucks with her you know what i mean the fact that during rehab something like that when you have an injury like that you're always going to have that fear and you're always going to be sort of favoring that leg and just the fear you know it takes you a while some people never get over the mental you know concern that they could hit it and justifiably so because it, they do you know what i mean like yeah. uh, like imagine if this time around just trying not to get too deep into her psychology but imagine this time around she thought that it was healed and she finally got her full confidence in it and then that happens when will you ever really get your full confidence that you won't re-injure that that injury again you know 
So exactly, uh, it's a scary thing. Reoccurring injuries are the worst because, like, if it happens once, it's always in your head that it had that that it could happen again. But then it happens again, and it's like you're sitting there thinking it's going to happen again. Yeah, it's crazy. I really feel bad for her. That, that poor girl can't get to break. I feel so bad for her. 20, 2020, dude. Good Lord. <sighs> get well soon, Tegan. SEMA. I've been watching SEMA wrestle since he was in Dragon Gate, back, back before I even did the show. So at least seven, eight years ago. I remember SEMA. Uh, wow. Holy shit. Uh he tweeted out, I'm sorry for your concern. The day before yesterday, I was injured in a traffic accident while riding a bicycle. The diagnosis results are as follows. Head injury, facial contusion, nasal fracture, left wrist joint contusion, right hand contusion, neck contusion, lumbar contusion. Thank you for always supporting me. Big combat, big comeback aim from here, C-Max. Yeah, I will not. Uh, I'm probably over the hill for this anyway, but I do not see myself investing in a bike now if I ever was going to. And if it was like, let's say there was one already on my Amazon uh, fucking shopping cart, then it's it's off of there now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want it. It's like the world and the way luck feels. It's like, I just feel like I'd be the one to take that kind of a bump. It sounds like he took one of those bumps where he bounced and rolled, you know, but good God. Uh, yeah. Fuck bikes. I'm not like he hit something on the way down. Like. I'll take my chances with walking. And even nowadays, that's risky. Hey, at least with the bike, you have a tad bit more agility, but even then, like, yeah. Yeah, just a tad. Just a sign, a tiny little bit of a tad here. Uh, in other news, apparently Jordan Grace has gotten married to Jonathan Gresham. I just figured I'd throw something positive in there. I didn't even have that as, like, a definite yeah. story that was going to come on, but I figured you must be depressed enough by now that we got to just throw something. I was mm-hmm. in emergency shit. It's too dark. But, yeah, Jordan Grace, Jonathan Gresham have gotten married. Yeah, congratulations to her. Which uh, you've been keeping up with Impact. She and uh, fucking Emma Tennille Dashwood have been having a fantastic rivalry. So, congrats to her. Yeah, the girl deserves it. Yeah, very cool. Very cool that love can be around her. She, she's one. I think she's definitely she's one of my favorite knockouts over there. Yeah, she was the one that there was some haters on Twitter trying to like body shame her, and I was like, "Are you crazy?" No, she no, that was that was, that was just Sunny. Oh, it was Sunny, and then like other people. Yeah, yeah it, it, it was just Sunny. Yeah, Sunny's ridiculous. You fool. Which apparently I've heard, I guess, with some of the stuff and also the racism thing, I guess she's lost like 95% of her OnlyFans fan base, which I'm like, ha <laughs> Oh, boy. People don't like to see you naked when you're a piece of shit. So. Damn, you are really mean. I don't know what it is. <laughs> like, 2020 has just taken the filth. I don't know. 2020 has been... Ugh. I feel like 2020 has, has calmed me down unless when it's really necessary. And with you, it's just like riled you out. I don't know what you know what it is. I've just been on edge for like the last half of 2020. Like I feel like I found like a lot more of my zen, and I only really put up my guard when I kind of feel like we need that shit. But you, you're Where's like me, ready. I'm just batting down the hatches, ready to rock and roll. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're just like ready to fucking fight something else. But not me. I'm just trying to deal with like a little more patience and wisdom for life. I just feel like once I get through 2020, I'll be all right. But <laughs> don't, don't think about that, man. Those numbers don't mean anything. And this is the season finale. I told you that the last three months, since it's four four seasons in a in a year, I told you these last three months are probably going to be the craziest. We haven't even hit it yet, oh, man. Yeah. We're in the beginning. First first six or, or or seven first six days of this season officially. When you think about it, we're in the beginning of October, and uh, look what's already happened. We already have giant five inch long spiders here. So hey, strap in, yeah. kids. Here we go. I told you guys in the chat room, full disclosure for anyone that just listens on iTunes, that I wasn't even in the mood today. If there was ever a day where I just wanted to pull the covers over and maybe just watch Raw from from bed, uh, 
it was today. I was just like, but it felt like there was just as urgent of a need for us to have a show for this week just because of the topics that have come up and uh, the things that I wanted to get out there. I was just like, you know, I'll drag through it if I need Final Flash! Thanks for the like there, John. God, scared John Zara over on yeah. Facebook. Thanks for the like over there. Like I said, I love the Facebook community also. We've always had a page there, but it's always been like something before it became Facebook gaming. It was always something we uploaded to after everywhere else, where it's like now... Uh, we're live streaming there and really Facebook has become a great community where it's like with not everything because I know some of the game streams they don't care about with a lot of wrestling content we're getting like similar to our iTunes numbers we're getting like in the thousands which again we've already got over as an audio podcast but trying to get those kind of numbers for the live stream is a lot harder and uh, Facebook is definitely going in that direction so thank you again over there apparently because like it's so easy to find us there like it's probably out of everywhere, maybe this is just me seeing it. It seems like it's one of the easiest places to find our stuff. Yeah. And the, then the old content gets played there. I noticed that people go go and respond to it, even the stuff I have forgotten about, which is really cool. So I like the fact that, uh, again, we've had that page. If you look at the date since 2014, they just allowed us to migrate our Mixer stuff. Once Mixer shut down, uh, they sort of merged our Mixer credentials and stuff over to our Facebook page. So you could still find it as Facebook.com slash TalkBrunch, but you could also find the different form of it as Facebook.com slash Gaming slash talk brunch and uh you know you get to see our followers and everything else to migrate over but yeah the momentum there is like really good so we appreciate that because uh yeah you guys are awesome <laughs> yeah like i said before for some reason the system has to catch up with uh the follows if we turn it off so uh, we'll come back a week later and have to let it run for like 20 minutes and stuff so very cool with that that's just always funny <laughs> yeah i, I always like, love uh, whenever he calls me and i hear oh yeah i've been here the whole time of letting the follows roll through for like 20 minutes yeah, like I said, we're starting to get the kind of iTunes stuff there, which is what I was hoping for, because I like people seeing the visuals. If you're just listening on iTunes, you, it does help when you go to the Facebook page. I think specifically at this point, if we're going with our growth, it is in Facebook. So it does help when you check us out there. Give a like to it, even if you're listening on a different service. I'll give a like to the Facebook version, uh, because I, see, I guess that's where our growth is going to be. And it's going to definitely help us do more with the community there since, uh, yeah, their stuff is really helping. And anyway, there's other news stories, but honestly, I do want to talk about the the wrestling of this week. You know what I mean? Some of the shit could wait until next week or if there's times afterwards. You know, the weeklies are kind of bloated, though, with the different things we've gone through. I'm going to be doing some of this off of memory, so it isn't going to be perfect. Um, I know Destin's watched more than I have of the weeklies. I want to talk a little about the G1. G1's been stealing my life. I don't know how you manage. You're able to keep up. I guess I'm getting to it. Dude, let me tell you all something before we get to this shit. I tell myself every year, I'm going to go straight through G1 this year. I'm going to go straight. This year, I committed to it. If you have never watched the G1 Climax tournament, understand something. This tournament is as enduring as a fan as it is for the fucking wrestlers. Because I feel like I'm riding through this shit with them. I still got to see day nine, but... I've gone through the first eight days. I am exhausted. I'm glad I have a recent Samsung Galaxy phone with like, I think it's a Android 10 or 10.2, whatever the hell the lay. I don't know the good number. Because one of the things I've been doing, I've been loading a lot of this shit that we have onto my phone. So when I'm not home or when I'm on the go, uh, I can pop up a split screen of the video. And then the bottom is like my document, you know, my cloud document of my notes. So I could just jot a few things on here. I've been watching matches on the go. There's so much G1. And I've had the same attitude as you where I want to watch this and not miss anything, but I've not been as successful as you. Um, I've gotten, I think, like the first four days. I think you did the first eight. Kudos to you. Um, we won't cover all of that. 
you know, I want to get some time to catch up and give other people because I'm sure a lot of people are on my thing. That being said, last week we did cover part of day one, the, the September 19th episode with a Takahashi, um, Osprey going over Takahashi with the Stormbreaker, uh, Tai Chi going over with the Flag Mephisto and, and Jeff Cobb. Uh, you know, I believe uh, Minoru Suzuki went over Tomohiro Ishii, right? And then yeah, after that... Yeah, and then the main event of that first night, which we only talked briefly about, Kota Ibushi uh, going over Okada with the Kamagoya. Um, and, you know, we talk, I don't think we spoke about Okada using that new submission. He has the money clip. Uh, yeah, which um, he's been relying on that quite a bit, this G1. Yeah, and I do like the teasing pile driver between these guys, even Okada off of the top with one, but it doesn't happen. I have like a lot of whoa moments that are like just good teasing. I like how Japan does that counter because they don't do the regular little Undertaker where they flip back and forth. It's legit like using the body weight to force the other guy to shift over. Right. And uh, like I said, we can't go into super detail about all of these just because there's several nights and there's way more nights to come. But I'm just going to try to give you guys just an overview. Destin's going to jump in whenever he has anything to say. Uh, but night two was mainly the B block. This was the September 20th episode. Uh, Yoshihashi, I'm not talking about young boy matches, but Yoshihashi goes up against Juice Robinson with uh, the finish being Juice with the Pulp Friction, which is similar pretty much. It's the Unprettier, right? It's the gothic face. Yeah, it's basically it's a, it's a hop. It's a jumping Unprettier pretty much. Yeah. Um, Juice now has this Blues Brothers look. I even called it before they said it on commentary. Um, he literally looks like one of the Blues Brothers I characters. Like He's fully well. That I like it. I like it too. Yeah, I think I like it better than the <laughs> so than the, cool. the dirty dread look. I hate to say, but it looked kind of unkept and dirty with the dread. I like the clean look to him. He has more personality and character that way. So very cool gimmick for uh for him. Very excellent stuff. Uh, what else? Next match was Sonata against Toriano. Um, what exactly happened here? I know we had Yano. Uh, basically, who, who, Yano, Yano in his fucking antics. I swear to God, I, I got thoughts about Yano right after this. But um, basically, Sonata tried to get him in the paradise lock like halfway up the ramp, and he couldn't get him into it. So then he tried to paradise lock him with a young boy. Yeah, because the young line came Yano, to try to help untie the knot. Yeah, right. and then Yano taped him. Two, he taped their ankles together so there's and two, just hauled ass to the ring. Yeah, exactly. So they're both pretzel together, and he runs and slides in the ring. So then uh, Sonata winds up losing via countout. Yeah, like what I've loved about about Yano, it's been it's been kind of his thing all G one. Yano will not outpower you. Yano will not outfight you. But Yano can outsmart damn near anybody in G one because literally all he needs is a second. And they kept finding you. yeah, they kept finding rolls of tape on this uh guy, you know. And it's what makes him. It's what makes him honestly so dangerous. Yeah, and of course he goes for the turnbuckle so pad. They they wind up having a turnbuckle pad battle because Yano goes for his and Sonata goes for his, and then they're dueling with the two of them in the in the middle of that. Um, yeah, that was pretty crazy. <laughs> you know, I like when he when when Sonata was doing that rolling cradle on Yano while he was holding the turnbuckle. So so he's like he gets dizzy and he's disoriented. And he's like swinging at everyone. He even swings at the ref with the turnbuckle. Like he's so he's so dizzy from everything. Was that was that when he had to take the take the chair to the outside and kind of sit there and gather his thoughts for a second? Yeah, yeah, these guys were nuts. <laughs> well, yeah, very good performance there. Uh, oh, had, yeah, I've been doing good this G one. Yeah, we had a Roki Goto against uh, Kenta. We talked a little bit about this last week because we jumped ahead because we wanted to put that post promo where Kenta taps uh, Goto to the crossface. Uh, yeah, the game, his game over, which he yeah. called that. Yeah, very hard-hitting kicks and stuff. Very brutal match. Any thoughts on this? Oh, I mean, 
you know what I've realized with Goto? Goto, first of all, Goto probably has one of my favorite theme songs in uh, New Japan because it literally sounds like the fucking apocalypse is coming. Yeah, he's always had a really cool song. And yeah, but this match was this match was re- was I mean, yeah, like you said, brutal. One thing I like is that, and this is why I love with commentary in New Japan, they made it clear, like they made it a point to know Kenta said he was gonna call that. He said he was tapping him out with game over. So not only are you watching this physical match, but you're waiting to see if he goes for it. Yeah, he And then when he it. gets it in, it's like, wait a minute, is he actually going to get it? And I was almost kind of surprised to see that he really did get it. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Like, that's, some, that's some crazy shit to be like, literally, I'm using this move and I'm going to tap you out with this move. And I'm going to tell you I'm tapping you out this with this move. That's part of the excitement of the G1. Though. A lot of the this unlikely outcomes and winners, sometimes you can't really call it. They don't go and by I the mean, same rules as American about- wrestling, you know? And I mean, we've talked sometimes about selling. There is no better selling than the G1 Climax Tournament because they say from night one, it's conserve yourself as much as you can because some of these guys, I'm, I'm like, even on night eight, Goto still looks like he hasn't fully gotten over that, that game over. Yeah. Yeah. Very good to storytelling there and psychology. Ruling tournament. So next about Evil being accompanied by Dick Togo, ironically, the Bullet Club, against Zack Sabre Jr. With the finish being... uh. Zack Sabre, he um, he counters everything as evil, I believe, into a roll-up, right? He throws him up there? Yeah, it's a, it's a roll-up I've seen him do several times. It's a really complicated-looking one, but yeah, he wanted to catch him. Yeah. Red Shoes during this match gets taken out when he whips Sabre into Red Shoes in the corner. Um, this leaves an opening for Togo to help soften up Zack Sabre. Uh, nonetheless, even with the help, we still get that victor being Zack Sabre, so good for him there. Overall, good match. Zack Sabre looking great as always. Uh, I still can't get used to this evil Dick Togo shit in the Bullet Club. I don't know what... I don't get it. And also Kenta's Bullet Club too, right? So, yeah, so evil yeah, Togo, Kenta... You know, I'm, I don't know. I don't get it. I, I wish they would disband the name or anything. It's so strange to me, the way that this has turned out, that I kind of try to ignore it, and I wish they would just abandon it. You know what it um, is? It's because I think what's happened is... The Bullet Club we knew is long gone. Like, it's to the point where when the guys like the Bucks and Omega left, it wasn't that they took the Bullet Club with them. They just decided, you know, we're not doing Bullet Club anymore. We're doing something else. Leave the Bullet Club to whatever it's going to become. But then let the the Elite did a better job at that than they're doing because they have the Bullet yeah. Club and it's a completely different thing and it doesn't work the yeah, same. Because they're, it's cause not, they're not Bullet Club anymore. They're the Elite you know, now. They, they should have, I, I feel like they should focus more on Los Oingo Bernables and have them more in the forefront, especially since they use Naito as their top guy. But I've always liked that stable and the unity and the way that they are together as a team. I don't really agree with the evil thing. I think that sucks at the expense of a great stable that was already, uh, for a stable that was already dead in the, and, and buried. But whatever. We'll have to see where it goes. Uh, hopefully, they just wash with that. Uh, that brings us to the main event of Night 2 being Tanahashi against Naito. Uh, with Naito going over with, I believe, the snowplow into the Destino, correct? Yep, that's right. Yeah. And our commentary is talking a little bit in this match about the gentleman's agreement between Naito and Tanahashi to stay away from each other's knees because they're suffering from knee injuries, which is essentially, assuming that happened, Tanahashi is the one to break free of. Um, after this match was over, I just wanted to note that it was cra- crazy hearing Kevin Kelly saying he doesn't know if Tanahashi ha- has it in him to go forward the way that Naito does. Because I, being someone who's watched this for seven, eight, maybe even longer than that, uh, Tanahashi was the face of New Japan Pro Wrestling and was like their top guy. He was their John Cena. And, uh, I'm glad that, uh, who is that out there? Rocky Romero as the, as the 
the co-commentator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that Rocky jumped in there and defended and was like, I disagree. Like, you know, it's Tanahashi, you know, and he kind of put him over. Because like, what the hell do you mean? I get that Naito's like the future, but I remember when Naito was literally just a regular guy. He didn't have any gimmick. He was just a no-gimmick guy, and he left for a while, and he I came back. I remember Naito and TNA. You know what I mean? And the same thing with <laughs> Evil. I remember when Evil was Watanabe and he wasn't over at all, even in Ring of Honor when they would send him over and he would job and shit. And it's like, it's just weird to hear someone as Tanahashi is a fucking legend for him to just talk, oh, I don't know if he has what, what's in him. And I get that Tanahashi, which is a tradition in New Japan, the older guys have no problem sort of climbing back down the ladder for the younger talent. You don't really see it as much in WWE, but it's a known thing in New Japan that as you get older, you like, you know, when you start reaching your, your prime, you're at that top card. And then there's no shame in the fact that as you kind of go over the hill, you start to descend down the mid card a little bit. You mean more tag team matches and more special events and shit. So I get that Tanahashi might be on that descent, but I wouldn't put him there. Where it's like he's not going to be handling not yet, not yet at least. You know, especially I mean, with knowing I, the longevity I, of a Japanese wrestler, sometimes they go for decades longer than you would think. You yeah, know? I mean, I've always looked at Tanahashi too, where it's like, yes, he is older, but Tanahashi still has some big ones left in him. Right. Exactly. Yeah, he yeah, he might the, the the better way to put it was can he reach down and grab another big one from him? Because we've seen Tanahashi can pull one out. But sometimes yeah. but as as the years have gone on, he has to reach a little farther than he used to. Mm-hmm. Overall good night. Uh I think we're gonna just do night three and call it there, just because I do still want to talk yeah. about Dynamite uh, Ring of Honor and a few other things, as well as the shitty ones that came up. But night three, real quick, this was a uh, September twenty third. Uh Jeff Cobb had his match against Shingo Takagi, uh with Cobb going over with the tour of the islands. Any thoughts on this match? Uh I mean a brutal, brutal display as usual. That tour of the islands still looks like it's horrible to take. Jeff Cobb made the correct choice in going here over AEW, I think. I think he looks better here, and he's being utilized better. A lot of people speculate that the way they used him in his short time in AEW is the reason why he didn't sign with them. I don't know how true that is. Yeah, I think it's also a familiar area. Like, he's been with New Japan longer, so it's like, you kind of, you, you, if you have options, you kind of tend to lean towards familiarity. Yeah, that's true. Uh, what else? We had Yujiro Takagi against Okada. With Okada, he winds up. Uh, I mean, no, actually, was it was it Takagi that he was up against? Who was who was Okada up against in the second match? Oh yeah, I want to say I don't want to say it was Takagi. Oh okay, I don't know. The G one starts to blur together after a little bit. Let me see if we're on night three. Yeah, I believe it was Takagi. Oh. Why not Okada tapped him with with the money clip, whichever whichever guy it was. My memory's not serving me correctly. If it was if it was uh, I'm t- I mean Shingo or, or freaking uh you know uh. We also had Tai Chi against Minoru Suzuki, which surprisingly Tai Chi goes over uh, with the Black Mephisto second win. Good for him. Wow. I didn't expect him to go over Suzuki, right? Right. Like, I, I truth be told, every year when somebody goes over Suzuki, I'm surprised. Because, like I said, even at 52, the dude looks like if you get in a bar fight, that's the first, third, second, and third person you're looking for. Yeah. Tomohiro Ishii went against Will Ospreay with Ospreay going over Ishii with the Stormbreaker. Thought that was really cool. I also love the Oz cutter from the off the railing. These two guys had a brutal match, the striking and everything. Ishii's still the freaking stone pit bull all the way. Great to see him performing out there. And Osprey still looks wonderful. When, when does Osprey not look amazing? That's the scary part. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had Jay White, more Bullet Club bullshit against Kota Ibushi. Uh, this had fuckery in it because Ghetto winds up distracting the ref, pretending to throw in the towel. Uh, for Jay, but then this gives Jay White the opportunity for a low blow on Coda, and then after this, Jay winds up hitting a regal plex to a two count, 
And then Coda recovers from that, hitting uh, Jay with a jumping knee. And then he winds up using uh, that moment to also kick Ghetto off of the ropes who's on the apron. But when he goes back afterwards to pick up a recovering Jay, uh, Jay quickly hits the Blade Runner for the win. Gets himself two more points. And then he gives a long Bullet Club promo. Long, long promo. Way too long to play here tonight. Go look it up. You'll like it. But uh, again, still not buying him as the Bullet Club leader in this whole thing. I know. I don't, you, I don't even know if they have a leader anymore at this point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's one of those things. So again, we're going to try to catch up more New Japan. Oh, Destin's way ahead of me. And uh, it's also the time thing when we have two pay-per-views, two weeks of pay-per-views in a row, special stuff coming up. Uh, you know, you don't get to really get a chance to cover everything. I don't want to do these three-hour shows. I got shit to do after this. Right. Anyway, Ring of Honor. I'm going to cover the September 25th really quickly. Uh, they had Fred, Fred Yehai against Silas Young. Finish being uh, Yehai goes over with an inside cradle. Uh, what were your thoughts on this match? God, I miss Silas. But yeah, this um very technical, very technical display. What I've been loving and I kind of missed about Silas was Silas has this weird. Correct, correct me if I'm wrong. It's this weird mix of like tech, tech, technical prowess. But it's also a brutality to it. Yeah, it is very old. Like kind of like 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 he'll he'll get fancy and everything, but it'll also literally grind your face into the dirt at the same time. Yeah. I don't think I've seen many wrestlers who can do that, which is why I think I've always been a fan of Silas. Yeah, very uh, old school with some flashy elements to it, which is really cool. Very believable yeah. offense too. I like. There's, there's certain names I have to kind of get myself reacquainted with just because it's been so long since I watched ROH, but. It's good to see Silas in there still doing good. Yeah, what do you think of the Fred Yehai guys? I know he's an indie guy, but it's like his first time in RH. Um, I definitely want to see more of him, for sure. Because a little bit I did get to see in this match, I like what I saw. Yeah. So this is a guy where, like I said, it's going to take a little bit more of seeing him. But it's just because it's one of the guys where the last time I was watching ROH, he wasn't around. Gotcha. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be getting back to Fair enough. some of the new faces. Then we get Josh Woods against Kenny King uh, with the finish being the 15 minute time limit expires and then the judges give it to Josh Woods. Uh, obviously, we remember Kenny King. Josh Woods, wasn't he in on Tough Enough or something? Um, I don't remember. Uh, it was tough like he was on enough, one of those remember... shows or something. I don't know. I could be there. But anyway, why does he have Silas's music? Are they a team or something? They need to give that dude his own music. Right. Like, I don't recall them ever being a team. Like, what the fuck? Did I miss a segment where they were a team? Like, he came out to freaking Silas's music. That's so odd. Like, when they could have been a team. Play, or something, I I mean, it's possible it happened in the time we were like we were watching consistently, but uh, yeah. So Josh Woods goes over here. Kenny King was not advancing. Uh, he yeah, looked okay. It's uh, you don't do, you don't see them too often pull uh, the draw card out of, um, out of their pocket. So whenever it does happen, it's kind of surprising. But this was this was I enjoyed this match. I missed Kenny King. <laughs> yeah, lately, lately with ROH would be has been like, oh, I missed you guys. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we'll cover the next week's episode next week. Obviously, we might even cover two of them, depending on where we are with stuff. Um, let's talk a little bit of AEW, where Cody Rhodes, he accepts this dog collar match. I'm going to bring this up here so you guys can take a look at what I'm talking about. And I find about. myself sitting on another show, and I'm sitting next to a world-renowned actress in Rosario Dawson, two seats down from a pioneer in the rap game and a piece of Americana, Snoop Dogg. And right at the end, Grammy award-winning songstress, the beautiful Jennifer Nettles. And I'm asking myself, who the hell am I? I'm the guy who got beat in three minutes. 
But Cody, you're back now. You're back on your feet. Yeah, my feet. My feet are planted firmly in the ground. And while I was gone, my ear was as well. And I hear that same traditional pro wrestling promo pontification, people talking about being the future. There's even people talking about being the ace. Come on, don't make me laugh. That ship has sailed. Dynamite is already a year old. And I'd love to punch that in further and say that that honored distinction belongs to me, but it doesn't. That can only belong to one of three people. The full medal champ, Hikuru Shida, the world's champion, the best wrestler in the world for the last 207 days, John Moxley. Or the man carrying the ace belt himself, Brody George Lee. like his hair. Now, speaking of Mr. Brody Lee, do you accept his challenge for a dog collar match? Well, that's simple. I guess they cut the clip there, but he goes into this big dramatic thing where he accepts the dog collar, which I didn't even know. When did they get, get challenged to it? Um, Brody had challenged him a week ago. Okay, a what a weird, out-of-character match for them to have. You know, the only thing I wish he would have done was kind of go the way of his dad instead of a dog collar match, a bull rope match. Because that's what that was sense. a match Dusty was known for. And then the Dark Order attacks, and Brandy takes out the whole fucking Dark Order with a dive spot. She does like a flipping senton. Brandy, like why? That bionic shoulder, man. It's like they just needed her to do something, right? Come on, <laughs> this is fucking. Get your shit, Brandy. I don't know, man. And you have Matt Jackson, who he super kicks Tony Schiavone mid interview versus FTR. And Nick's not actually there. They just show like his leg. I guess he's still out because he hasn't been there for a couple of days. I don't know what they did. They just had a leg. Maybe someone's put out his pants and did the kick, but he's still off camera. <laughs> you know, he did a little bit of an optical illusion there, but this is part of their heel thing, I guess. Uh, I like JR during one of these matches where he was talking about 20 years of experience. He uses a really good saying I've never heard before. He says, you have to determine if you have 20 years of experience or the same experience for 20 years, which is only not only something for wrestling, but it's also something I think for life where a lot of people think that just experiencing something over and over again makes you good at it as opposed to, uh, you know, having 20 years of experience doing it. You're just doing the same thing for 20 years. There's a big difference between growing and learning and just, you know, falling into repetition. So cool for that could almost there. fit into what we do in a sense because there's some people where they've been doing it for five, six years, and then there's us where it's gotten better over five, six years. Yeah, you just evolve or change shit up. You know, you get entertaining, you have fun yeah. with your community, whatever. Uh, whether it be wrestling or blogging or podcasting or streaming or music, making, Dice whatever. Or something like yes. <laughs> don't ask about just through some random shit out there. I don't know. But then <laughs> the tag match again. AEW's not looking great. The tag match. Tully grabs. Uh, I don't know whose foot it was, but he grabbed one of the guys' foot, and he's obviously there. And not only is he obviously there to grab their foot, uh, but their foot is under the rope. And grabbing their foot so they don't kick out, their foot is now visibly under the rope from where the ref can see. And uh, then the person winds up kicking out. I forget which guy it was, but they wind up kicking yeah, it was, out. Uh, it was Scorpio Sky. Okay, so it was Scorpio Sky. So he winds up kicking out with his foot on top of the rope. On top of it already being held underneath. So it was just weird. Um, you almost didn't need Tully there to interfere with the way that was set up. It just looked like shit. I didn't like it. Um, because when you get your foot under the rope, right, that's a rope break. Yeah. Yeah. When, you, when your foot's anywhere in proximity of 
pretty much passing out the outside of the ring. Euro break. So by Tully grabbing Scorpio's leg to prevent him from kicking out, he pulled his foot underneath the rope, causing Scorpio to not only kick out, but put his kick out on top of that rope. It was a rope break in every sense of the word. So it's just weird, especially with Tully and them there. I don't know. And then it's weird because it's kind of like, you know, you got the FTR. Who are they heels still? Because yeah, they're against much. they're against the, the the Bucks who are doing more dickish things than them. So I don't Yeah, know but I guess they're it. going with the story of the fact that they've been wanting to fight the Bucks for years. So. But it's just weird. You're not getting anybody like there's there's no baby face in here. Everybody's getting heel heat in different ways. It's not even with each other. You know, and also it didn't really look good the way that the, everything just looks too it just it's just rough, man. It's really hard to watch. And then Jericho versus Isaiah Cassidy. It's a crazy match. You know, it's 15 minutes of high level spots and false finishes, which is like, what the hell would Chris Jericho having a match like this with Isaiah Cassidy? Uh, you know what I mean? First of all, this is what I'm talking about again. And Cornette mentioned it too when he talks about selling within selling for someone up to their level, where it's like Isaiah Cassidy and several other people shouldn't be having the matches with Jericho that they're doing. And Jericho also in turn should not be putting on these crazy uh, spot matches, these crazy fast paced spotty matches. They, it, if anything, the younger guys should be bringing that pace a little bit down for the older veteran and uh jericho should more or less be dictating the pace and showing him how to get over with less not isaiah and him having like an old school fucking match like that you know i don't think that that works in the long term everyone's having the same kind of matches and although jericho can have a match like that that doesn't mean that he should and if he's going to it damn sure shouldn't be against isaiah cassidy nothing against the guy but what what's the bar if jericho and isaiah cassidy are putting on a match like that you know, it's almost like there's no chain of command. There's no food chain. There's no hierarchy in this company. You just go out there and have these fucking crazy matches. You know what I mean? Chris Jericho versus Isaiah Cassidy and the match looks like that. You know what I mean? And Jericho sells like a fucking bump machine for a lot of these guys. And I get it. You're trying to put younger talent over. But I think that there's a better way of doing it than it just being all these crazy fucking spots the whole time, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, he has there's some kind of a method to his madness. I don't know what it is, but it's apparently something. There's not really a method here, though. That's the thing. It's just madness. It's just like you're just having these crazy-ass matches, you know? But, like I said, I don't agree with everything, but the Jericho stuff, like, a lot of these younger dudes, like, uh, they don't even get mid-card. They fight world champions and main eventers, and uh, they'll have these wild fucking matches where you're like, really? Everyone's at that level. I forget who was in the chat. It was Willie E.B., one of you guys. You said that it's like everybody has a 95. Like, if this was the game, everyone yeah, in AEW. Really, that sounds like Willie. Like, everyone in AEW has a 95. No matter who you are, when you get in the ring, you wrestle, you're all 95. And even the people who come and interfere and get involved in the match, they're all 95, too. So they come in with full 95. You know what I mean? It's not like even in WWE where someone, if you're interfering, you come in with, like, you know, you can take a bump or two. And nope, and this, they come in, they're all fully fucking fresh 95. Everyone bumping like monsters you know it desensitizes you to the big spots when stuff like that happens you know one of the reasons why kyle o'reilly versus finn Balor works so well was because the two of them are ring technicians and they're known for that style so when you have a match that organically represents itself that way and then it just breaks out into like transitions and moves it's exciting because you're seeing the organic way these two guys stuff counters each other in this where it's chris jericho and fucking cassidy it doesn't really there's really no reason for that match to look like that you know but uh again i know some people like it anyway then you have miro who he's doing once again they're doing these new little video vignettes with him and uh kip saban and uh we're just gonna show you this one here we're gonna because they want to putting fucking billy mitchell from uh from the king of kong the arcade guy he winds up showing up in one of these freaking little bits that they're doing 
And I'm sure you saw that. So I'm going to run that up here on the screen. Something's been on my mind. It's been weighing on me a bit. I'm only going to do this once. I'm only going to have one bachelor party, and I need it to be epic. And it will be epic. You will be like Rum Springer all over again. You're up. Don't forget your blue balls. Never forget my blue balls. Here we go. His blue balls. You know when I see this, you know what it, it reminds me of? You know what I think of when I see this? I think of ah. Uh, and they put their liver to the test. the name. It's like not a name is escaping me. This is like a bad version of Perfect Strangers. Remember Perfect Strangers with Balky? My turn. You remember that, right? Perfect fucking strangers. That's what this is. This is like a shitty Will Ferrell Owen Wilson movie. I trust you, dude. But to me, it reminds me more. Like I said, there's more like Perfect Strangers. They're the modern day. Balky, that's what it is. Fucking Miro's Balky now. Oh, shit. Do not be afraid to get crushed. You know how crazy is that? Hey, there's Billy Mitchell at the camera right there. Over here, you guys were planning a bachelor party. Yeah, I'm a little bit over my head though. It's freaking pandemic. What am I supposed to do? And he's my best man. I want to help out. <laughs> well, I know some people that do something really crazy. Oh, that's great. From stronger crazy. These guys and these freaking things, man. So yeah, they got that going on. The freaking new Perfect Strangers, and uh, what was it? Orange Cassidy fought one of the Dark Order guys, ten. And I only remember that because that's the one that he was given ten seconds before Moxley broke his arm in the irony of his name, yeah. I believe, without him. So, uh, it's just weird because now you got Cassidy. Cassidy just finished feuding with Jericho. This is what I'm talking about with everyone being a ninety-five. Like, how did Orange Cassidy, who had this feud with Jericho that he won, now fight ten? Were there no plans for what happens when he beats like their former first world champion with the face of their company? Now he's just fighting 10. That's where he went next. That diminishes the excitement of what it means to be the world champion and where they go from there. There was no character development or nothing. Again, I, I don't know. AEW, like they're losing a lot of their edge here. You know, they don't seem to know what to do any better than anyone. Now it's starting to fall into a little bit of a rut. The honeymoon phase is over, man. Uh, I did like the MJF stuff with the inner circle, though. I thought that was cool. They're teasing it once again. I talked about it last week, how MJF, didn't he say that he was supposed to join the inner circle, but now they're just kind of like two ships passing, you know, in the ocean. Yeah. But uh, they did a little bit more, and it's because these guys are all naturally good. This was probably the best part of AEW with these guys showing up. I invited you here, so can you just stop breathing down my neck? And this is him doing the, uh, 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 the inner great. circle Thanks. thing here. Comes in to see these guys, and he brings them all jackets, right? Cool, cool. Chrissy, how's it going, bro? Max, how are you? I'm great, man. What did you think of this? The little bonding of them with the inner circle. Gold as usual with these two. Really? I got it, man. I got it. Yeah, I'm dropping in the chat so you guys can see it. It came from their social media here. Wow. You know, he's bringing them jackets. Okay, here we go. What do you got? All right, numero uno. Let's see who this one's for. Wow. Oh, all right. And it is for. This is interesting. Hager. He's to get them jackets, oh, right? Big man. Hager. Okay, let's see who else we <laughs> got here. Let's see who else we got here. So he gets all jackets. Let's jump uh -oh, ahead a little uh -oh. bit on the, on the well, getting well, the jacket. Here, so wait a minute. He doesn't have one for Guevara, right? Sell. Yeah, see, he forgets Guevara. I wonder where that's going. Wardlow? What, what, what's going on here, man? I know, I know that I got one for him. What's going on here? Was it there? Was it there for you to pack in the box? Um, Sammy, I want you to know from the bottom of my heart, this well, was not well, freaking, intentional on my mother. Freaking priority mail it to you. He swore on his mother's life. That's so awesome. That sounds like something Paul Heyman would do. What the hell are you doing in here? Right? Whatever, Max, what are you doing in here? What the hell are you doing in here? Whoa, 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 whoa. 
guys, I am simply here to congratulate you on your victory. It's you just like so I good said. At this. And I like the NFL well, stuff. I mean, we appreciate this. You came in, you walked in the door, you've been following us around. These, these, these jackets are great, by the way. Thank you so Thank much. You, but man. I asked you a question a long time ago, and I'm kind of picking up what you're laying down here, right? So I'm going to ask you again. Do you want to join the inner circle? <laughs> Chris, you know, I don't want to be rude here, but I asked you a question a long time ago. And it was quite simple. You never got back to me. Do you want me to join the inner circle? Do you want to join the inner circle? Yeah, no, no, no. Do you want me to join the inner circle? Do you want to join the inner circle? No, no, no. Do you want me to join the inner circle? Do you want me to join the inner circle? Do you want to join the inner circle? Chris, all I'm asking you is answer the question. Stop! Stop! Just stop. Enough. Just stop. Just stop. Hold on, 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 Thank you. And it's been a legendary run, sir. It's been an absolutely legendary run. Thank you. <laughs> These guys so are nuts. we're going to head on out. You guys have a great night. Enjoy those jackets. I hope you like them. They're great. Come on, War Dog. I like this Sammy's, little. Right? Abs- never. I would never. I like this okay. little tease at the end. See you later, Max. Peace out, buddy. Don't say so much next time, Wardlow. <laughs> That's fucked up. What a loser. No. Perhaps he's not. <laughs> See, I kind of <laughs> like that. Perhaps he's not. And he takes a sip of his wine. <laughs> yeah, See, there's still the best things about about this, though. Yeah, you know. And, I mean? and be perfectly honest, I trust the judgment of a man who can come up with shit like that. Yeah, well, like <laughs> I said, but it feels like he's doing a lot to put the younger talent over. But just the matches that he's having, man, it's like you just wouldn't expect that to happen. If you remember, we were watching it live in the chat room, and like, uh I called it before the match started that that's what it was going to be. Like, you just kind of knew for this company, that's the direction it was going. And it's just like, I wish they would slow things down and like take their time with a lot of stuff like that. With the younger talent, they, there has to be a little bit more of a mid card to high card level going on. And yeah, I that, that's really, I think, my only critique. Just slow it down a little bit, make them look good. But and just it de- back it down a little bit. And it definitely screwed up their their chain of command if there ever was one during those couple of weeks where they were shorthanded. So they used like a lot of jobbers and then you had to just it's just strange how you it's hard to tell who's where with the way things are. And I still want them to succeed, but that's just as a just an observation there. But uh yeah, I thought that was a little cool segment. It definitely added some flavor to uh to everything else that kind of felt stale here. Uh Britt Baker has a return match against another jobber. She has red velvet, which I guess is something there uh i like that jr kind of takes a rib at glenn jacobs i'm sure it was just sort of tongue-in-cheek but he's like normally wrestling dentists are ugly but not this one uh that being said red velvet was on fire again yeah right red velvet was one of the better women we've seen in like a long time for an unknown person uh but uh at least at least a lot of it was selling in this match like it yeah. wasn't the way I mean, that this the girl jericho, um, she's actually a regular on dark i believe right and it wasn't the way the jericho stuff was where it's like she, she yeah she got her shit in but there was a lot more selling for brit which was cool uh but brit finishes with like what was that a fisherman's neckbreaker and then like a stomp yep fisherman neckbreaker was stomp but then afterwards just as salt in the wound she, she locks in the lockjaw with a glove yeah yeah exactly and killian uh K- king she had wound up having a brawl with nyla rose right yeah yeah which uh vicky guerrero she actually put that that on her phone at least this is what i saw on vicky's social media 
where like this is from Vicky's perspective. Get her She's giving me a headache. I don't know if this has any. I'm wearing good headphones. I don't know if this is in my ear for everybody else, but I can practically feel the sound here. The final thing was the main event, which was John Moxley uh, against what's his name? Butcher? Right? Yeah, and see, this is it. I'm, I'm going to tell you guys now, full disclosure, this is probably the closest I'm coming to uh, taking a break with these guys just because I don't want to feel, I'm starting to feel a little bit burnt out on them. But now your world champion is facing Butcher in the main event. I don't give a shit how shorthanded you were. It shouldn't have even been for the title. Um, That's crazy to me that they would allow this kind of nonsense on here. Um. Again, this is again about their whole mid-card hierarchy section. It's just John Moxley against Butcher. I couldn't tell you too much about this match because, to be completely honest, I ignored it. Like, once I saw it was going to be John Moxley versus Butcher, and I get the COVID thing happened, but they do something else then make it a tag match, do whatever. But once I saw that it was going to be that, I did not really even pay attention. I'm not interested. I don't care how good the match was or who fucking did the work or whatever. I think at this point, now we're reaching a level of ridiculousness. Jericho just had this fucking Isaiah Cassidy match, and you're telling me now John Moxley, your world champion, is facing butcher in the main event man we gotta stop giving this company slack for that kind of shit you know what i mean there's no excuse for that that should not happen it's no disrespect toward butcher but he's not in a position to be facing the world champion of the company not for the title you know you could easily make non-title matches there and i think it's ridiculous that they're doing that i don't understand the logic of this booking you know they're taking away the value of a lot of things with the way that the wrestling is going in here. And it just makes people desensitized to it. Where you almost feel like you don't need to watch. Like if, the, if you're going to do whatever. Then why watch? You know. And you can't say Moxley's going to be a fighting champion. Because if he doesn't have credible opponents to fight. Then he's not going to be a fighting champion. Shouldn't be a tag team match against Butcher. Like a tag team opponent. Has, he, has Butcher ever been in a singles match before this? Yeah. I don't think that he needed to be in that position though. You know. And like I said. It didn't do it for me man. It didn't work at all. I know some people disagree. But I think the honeymoon phase for me is over. Some of this just doesn't work. I don't care how good it looks as far as the spots and shit go. The uh, one cool thing, they did release a thing of, of the production truck of how they put together Moxley's entrance. I don't want to leave on just a totally bad thing when it comes to the end of AEW. I imagine he won the match. I mean, it's not like they're going to give it to Butcher. So so without him even without even going into it, you know, that's what happened here. This is what it looks like inside the production truck. So yeah, you see them switching to the different cameras. That's essentially what the truck does. They have to jump cameras to make sure they're always getting the right camera on. Because they can see all these camera angles and they jump in between them. Yeah. 
I like that they released that though. They give you a little behind the scenes look at the stuff that's happening in the truck. But uh, yeah, so that is that. That's AEW and Nush. Anything else you wanted to say about the product before we jump along? I mean, I, I think when it comes to wrestling, I think I've realized and it just became apparent uh, apparent with this NXT with this AEW. Whereas everybody has the honeymoon phase, I actually have a phase after the honeymoon phase, and I think it's the tolerance phase. And it's okay. not even me trying to. It's not even me trying to justify anything you're doing. Because yeah, I agree with you. Butcher did not make sense to be a world championship, but I think with certain products, I have a phase where I'm like, okay, okay, I'm still there with them. I don't know that that it's it's hard to tell how long that phase lasts. It, it's but just, I think that's where I'm at with AEW. For me, it's just that there's no reason why I don't see why the mid card talent can't make each other. You know what I mean? Why can't Isaiah Cassidy yeah. have a singles match against Butcher, and then both put on that good of a match, and then slowly these mid card guys face each other, and you elevate them towards the guys that we're familiar with? You know what I mean? Someone yeah. would watch yeah, Isaiah Cassidy versus Butcher. One thing we've established is that the AEW fans are there for the product. It's not they're not they don't seem to care who's wrestling. So this is a good opportunity to do mid card stuff. Have some of these guys face each other. You know, I don't need to see Jungle Boy like not not Jungle. I see Marco Stunt. Who did he fight for? Jericho or somebody? He fights guys that are gigantic. You know, give him some mid card fights. You know, a lot more than that. Uh, there's too much trying guys against what should be considered like the big veteran dudes, and uh, that's not gonna work yet. You know, especially when you have so many mid-card guys that you're trying to push. So, like I said, I see where you're coming from. It's still a refreshing palate cleanser from WWE. I, I think what it is is that I know they, they have work to do. And it's like I've always said, it's year one. I, I think I think that's where I'm at with this company. Whereas I look at some of those mistakes other places they can make. And it's not just WWE. It's other places. And I see the years of experience. And I'm like, okay, the fuck are you doing? And then I look at this company and I'm like, okay. Year one shit. Where was I on year one? You know, right? Maybe, maybe but, it's just maybe it's just my point of view. I guess, but no, no, it's not just that it's your point of view. But I'm just saying that I'm I'm just surprised that they couldn't uh, you know, that they that that they couldn't just book certain things better. You know, yeah. Like I know it doesn't sound that easy and it's not that simple, but I just feel like there are just certain things that they could have done better with the uh with the stuff that we saw. Yeah, for sure. You know, so. And I mean, George, when George saying that he thinks AXE is coming back for them, we, we kind of talked about it last week. At this point, the, when it comes to the ratings, the battle lines are drawn. Uh, so I mean, nothing's point, ever it's... permanent. You know what I mean? Nothing's ever permanent. Everything's in, in always a constant state of flux. But right now, it might be. But people are starting to stale on it, man. It's not like like it's just me. You know what I mean? Like people are yeah. legit starting to starting to st- stale on the stuff that they're doing. You know, it's like they need to keep it fresh and they're desensitizing people with these crazy ass long matches. It's not being done in the way that like a Ring of Honor or New Japan is doing it. You know, it's being done almost in like a like like they said, like the game, like everybody's a nine point five and they're almost telling the same story. Um, yeah, the the psychology is not there to appreciate, you know, and the New Japan and ROH being back with Avengers doesn't do anybody any favors at this point. Yeah, and it's because they're refreshing. They're not trying to do the same thing. All right. Well. In any case, now it is time for us to move on to the competition to NXT Wednesday. I'm just going to talk about some bullet points. We're already working late. Uh, Shanti Blackheart is going to kill herself. Okay. She had a match, I believe, against Dakota Kai, right? Yeah, this was her and, uh, her and Dakota. I feel like we're on here every week. Take a look at this shit. Well, Blackheart's got a hold of Dakota Kai. Oh, my God. See the way she fell there? 
how crazy was that bump she took? Nasty impact Did you see that shit? Onto the apron. So, well, I started to realize. Look at this. You see how bad that was? Right, right on that corner of the ring apron. That's crazy. You know, it was funny. Um, <laughs> it's kind of funny that it kind of deviates like this, but uh, when I was in Kentucky for my friend's wedding, uh, one of the people who showed up was uh, a friend of mine who's been in our chat room before, Fletch Malone, uh, a wrestler on the Indies in mm-hmm. Wisconsin. And we talk about some of the stuff with certain wrestlers like Shotzi Blackheart, one who he knows personally, uh, Darby Allen. There are certain wrestlers who stylistically, even they seem to rise. They are not long for this business. Shotzi is in a sense like a Darby. Shotzi does not give three iota of a fuck. If she's yeah. here for a week or she's here for a year, you go remember what this bitch did. Yeah. There's certain people where it's like we look at it like, yeah, we should be safe. They should be safer. There's certain wrestlers. They don't care if I'm going out. I'm going out on my sword. And I've realized it was especially with that bump. Shotzi's one of them. Yeah, she Shotzi's, tweeted out Shotzi's, something saying Shotzi's mentality almost seems to be I'm not here for a long time. I'm here for a good time. She tw- I forget I'm paraphrasing, but she tweeted something like, I swear I'm, I'm not. A, I'll share it for you in the chat room. Tell me what she says there. I just linked it in the chat. But she says something like, I swear I wasn't trying to, uh, to I think, pile drive myself or something like that. And then not only that, she actually shows, I guess, in the indies what the spot's supposed to look like, which I kind of get the idea of what it was supposed to be. You see, that's the actual successful spot executed right there. It's scarier than all hell, but. So that's what she was going for. And she shared this. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. She basically said, I swear I wasn't trying to land on my head tonight. Yeah, I swear I wasn't trying to land on my head with what she said. And then she released this just to show you guys the sequence. But yeah, got to be careful with that kind of a bump. See what I mean? That shit is way over the top. And something like that, save that for a takeover. What the hell are we doing that to uh, in, in this little match here? Shotzi's like, I'm not guaranteed these fuckers are putting me on takeover. I'm doing this shit tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty crazy stuff. Yeah. And uh, what else do we have? You had Cameron Grimes. Cameron who, Gr- yeah. He has, a, he has <laughs> an open challenge. Point. And then ironically, this is the this is the Rich, Rich Hollis stuff leading into the takeover we watch because Rich Hollis comes on, he beats the fuck out of Cameron Grimes. That's his claim for fame going into the go home show. Uh, I guess now we can talk about this as we know it connected. Uh, Austin Theory is pretty good. Good match against Cole. I don't like his character, though. Uh, the finish is the last shot. Uh, what else happened? Zia Lee turns heel after Caden Carter beats her. So now we have heel Zia Lee. Uh, we already talked about it on the post show last night, but you had the little conference with Finn and Kyle, with Shawn Michaels mediating it. And of course, EO and Damian Priest. Had a, we also had a Kushida and Tony Nese match where Kushida showed a little bit of that mean streak that he brought to take over. Yes, yes, he did. Uh, and yeah. Yeah, totally. So, so that is it. That is the Wednesday Night War review for you guys with AEW having 866,000 views with 0.33 in the 18 to 49 demographic versus NXT 732,000 views with a 0.19 in the 18 to 49 demographic. They lose in both ratings and viewership numbers again, uh, pretty much by the same amount a little bit. They were, they were actually up. Ironically, they were both up. Because WWE last week was at 696,000 versus this week's 732,000. But AEW is also up from the 835,000 to the 866,000. So there you go. There you have it. 
And like you said, it stays consistent on AEW side. They better not lose that momentum, though, because WWE can always maneuver themselves and try to book this a little bit better. And they do have better things going on at certain points. And right now, AEW just kind of feels like, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of it's a very daydreamy show. You know what I mean? It's kind of like you just go through the motions. Yeah, you're just watching. You don't really feel anything right now, at least. Uh, SmackDown. I do like the Roman Reigns stuff. Roman's still demanding that tribal chief acknowledgement from Jay, which I jokingly said in the chat that you guys should all uh, tweet to Roman and acknowledge him as his as your tribal chief before he talks to Jay again on Friday. And, uh, <laughs> that shit's And Ringside News got this exclusive information, which I'm sure uh, I suspected it. But I was thinking, who's booking this? Because this is really good. And apparently this isn't being done by the creative team. Like, all of Roman's angles are just Roman and Heyman doing it. The same way that Brock Lesnar uh, was just Brock and Heyman mainly doing stuff. Uh, They said that the only other person was Michael Hayes might also be in the loop. So this isn't really the creative team's work with the Roman Reigns stuff. Which might be why it's not shit. Because I'm actually enjoying it. When I see it, I'm very intrigued about what he's saying and Jay's reaction and what it means and shit and where they're going with it. It feels like it's an intense situation, you know what I mean? With a guy like Roman Reigns, who normally we didn't take seriously, it feels he really does have this badass vibe to him now. Where there's a tension where, like, you better not fuck with him right now. And they did a really good job at that. You know, Triple H talked about it in the the NXT uh, press conference where he said that Roman Reigns has now become, like, more like you're looking at now the complete package. You know, like the fully developed character, which I do feel that way. And that's something they've done a wonderful job with. And thankfully, keeping it out of the hands of the creative team, I think, is what contributed to this. Because like I said, that's how they need to do every single angle, no matter how big or small, if it's on Raw or main event. Just just let it be this guy. Just just have the have the creative team just sit there and look halfway pretty. Yeah, because he's truly come off as a badass. There's no mistake. Like, I'm 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 enjoying it. Yeah. So, uh. (laughs) And that's the reason why uh, their promos don't sound like everybody else's. Um, and there's something different going on there with it. Literally sounds like a family dispute, a real one. Yeah. So, you know, when you don't have creative, because if you have if you have the same person writing everybody the same way, then they all are going to come out the same. You know, this isn't like doing a novel when it comes to wrestling. And they're not letting too many creative minds in there that aren't part of the business. So it comes out like shit. You know, but it's good to see that the Roman stuff, it is really good and it is really exciting. And uh, he still demand that tribal chief acknowledgement. And a Roman tells Jay that he did this for him and his family and their payday and that he loves him more than his own brother loves him. And he was trying to raise him up. You know, Roman said that this was inspired by like gangs of New York characters like the Butcher, you know, and like just mob characters and shit. So, I mean, he does a really good job with that. Uh, and he tells, he warns Jay that this time the Hell in a Cell match that they'll have is going to be the highest stakes in WWE history. And before even hearing the stakes, Jay accepts. So we have that set in gear. Very cool that AJ Styles comes out. He heals it up. He shits on Jay for being an underdog. And he puts him over because uh, he basically, at the end of this, Styles is going for the phenomenal forearm. And Jay kicks him off the ropes. And then Superfly, Super kicks him and Superfly splash for the win. So it's cool that they're yeah. giving Jay that momentum going into this pay-per-view where he would get a win off of a big name like AJ Styles. I thought that was cool. Clean on you know? top of that. But you see what I mean? That's how it looks when you have a bigger talent put over a younger talent. You see, it was believable. It worked well. It fit into the context of the story. It was building to it. It wasn't just like these two guys out of nowhere with no lead. You know, this would be like like what they did in AEW was like if Jey Uso six months ago would have suddenly had a crazy match against AJ Styles without there being the Roman thing. You need those elements to fit into slots for things like that to work. So I give SmackDown credit for that there. Uh, 
Sheamus, man, fucking up Shorty G again. This time, just a straight up job match. Like, if we haven't had enough seeing this kid get bro kicked, like this, I feel like this match has happened several times. And this time, he literally kills Shorty G. Two bro kicks. They just fucking killed him. There was nothing to it. <laughs> he kills him every time. <laughs> it's just crazy, dude. Like, I feel so bad for that guy. I thought I, I thought they did like impact it and just like rolls like a throwback clip. Yeah, the focus is Sheamus fighting against Big E, so it's just weird that they're just throwing anybody to the can to the wolves. Completely unnecessary. Big E releases a statement. Right here. Sure. Sheamus, you know, your mama was right. You are special. So special that we can't end this thing of ours in any kind of regular match. And with the draft coming next week, we got to get to this post haste. So, so I thought, what? What if I get to beat your behind in the stands? In the Amway Center, luxury suites, hell, we might even end up at Magic Kingdom. That's right, sucker. You and me, falls count anywhere. Deal. So, there you go. I got Big E. Falls count anywhere versus Shamer. Shorty G was just uh, freaking thrown into the mix. He's not even healing anymore after he accepted Corbin's bounty. Now he's just garbage. You know. He's just cannon fodder. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Owens, as they showed tonight on Raw, they went back into it. He has the Kevin Owens show with Alexa Bliss where she's showing fiend elements. And then it turns out that the fiend is there and he gets attacked and he gets the mandible claw and all this other crazy shit happens. Uh, just foreshadowing their little relationship that they're having. The fiend comes and takes her hand. I like the fact uh, that like it wasn't just her staring off in the space blankly. Like you could tell the way she was talking that it's like he's had some what of an effect. And I even like at the very end when... um. He says, uh, when, when Owen says he's here, isn't he? She doesn't outright say yes. She says he's everywhere and I hear him. Let him in. Yeah. So that was really cool. That leads into the stuff. She, we'll does, talk that about on a, she does that role very well. Yeah. And that leads into what we'll talk about in our end segment on Raw. Uh, but we have Lynn saying Grand Metallic backstage with Matt Ritter, who they're teaming up with and sort of shitting on Kalisto. They even say at one point, I believe it's Lindsay who says good lucha things are bound to happen, sort of taking a jab at Kalisto. And he had that bomb promo where he said it's a very good lucha <laughs> thing. Uh, even commentary once again refers to the very good lucha thing. They talk about how big his head is. Uh, these guys are going up against a match with Sheamus and Cesaro. Uh, I don't even know what the hell was the finish to this thing. Um, uh, see, I believe they, they go over, Cesaro. right? Yeah, they wind up getting over on Cesaro and uh, Kalisto comes out to celebrate, but there's there's heat with Kalisto here. They push him away. They don't want to hear from him. Uh, I believe the reason is, I think this interview that Kalisto did, this was before the match. So this is something that he said to them. And then he tried to act like everything was okay. I'm going to run this here. I think it's before. Lince, carnal. Man, I'm, I'm pissing you off. Why am I pissing you off? Why? Because I want you to have success too. Why? Because I'm trying to help you make a name for yourself. I'm guiding you to this. All of this. But I'm pissing you off. I'm messing with your legacy. Messing with your money. Man, that hurts me. And that also reminds me, what the hell were you when I got hurt eight months ago? Not even one phone call. Not one. But then you say that a leader should lead. That I'm not doing nothing as a leader. <laughs> I've been out for eight months watching Lucha House Party lose. What am I seeing? And then you talk about La Raza. That is for our people. Dude, you don't even know what La Raza means. La Raza is our people working, surviving from the ground up. Working every day. Lucha. Fighting to survive. That's what Lucha is. Not Lucha lit. You guys been busy partying. Lucha house partying everywhere. 
You lost your focus. That's why I'm back. And that's why I'm going to lead you to victory. Linse, I'll see you on SmackDown. So that's why, and they should have emphasized that, but it's like a SmackDown doesn't know one hand, doesn't know what the other's doing. They should have had that show up so it didn't just look like he showed up to celebrate with them and they were just like, fuck that guy. You know, like he literally told them all that shit and then showed up after they won the match celebrating. So now the story makes more sense. You know, the pieces are there. You just don't have a good creative team to put it together in an order. Why? You know, why even bother? I guess that's what they're holding. Because you gotta have angry lucha things. Yeah, hey, it gives us something to do. I guess. Carmella's revealed, which we figured out months ago or weeks ago, whenever it feels like years ago. Carmella's revealed as that person that's backstage. Uh, nobody liked it. Twitter attacked her. They accused her of being Emelina. And then she tweeted back in response saying, you have no idea what you're in for. Haven't even scratched the surface yet, babe. And then she tweeted later on following up saying, been off TV and out of the public eye for over five months. I come back one night and the amount of negative comments I see just based on my looks alone is disgusting. I forget what a toxic place social media can truly be. Thank God I know what a hot bitch I am. And you know what? I get, listen, I, I can't agree with her here. I understand she's right. Social media can be a toxic place, but so many people use it as a shield here. It's, it's not her fault that this is happening, but this is once again WWE's poor execution. That was a shitty idea, and she's getting the feedback of that. I don't, I don't feel like, and I like Carmella, but her presence hadn't been prominent enough in SmackDown, to be honest with you, that I even noticed that she was gone for five months. And I know that sucks to say, but I don't find her to be a character that you can have that level of build up to. And it's not just about Carmella. It didn't work for Emma either. It's not good when you reintroduce somebody who's been well-established and it's just reintroducing them. You know what I mean? It's not like we're unfamiliar with Carmella. She's a multiple-time women's champion. She won the money in the bank. She's had multiple tag teams and gimmicks. She was with R-Truth. When you're building up something like that, you can't take someone who's that established and be like, now it's her again. But she has a different attitude. It, it hasn't been that long to do something like that. Exactly. People were going to be disappointed no matter what they did there. And it did come off like the Emelina thing because that's exactly how it felt. It was a character that you already knew being built up over months. And then when they reintroduce it, it's the same person. You know what I mean? It feels like that's the only character they know how to write. I don't think this was the fans being disrespected towards her, but it just was silly. It just kind of felt like this was something that didn't need to be built up to turn out to be what it was. Whoever was going to be in that role, no matter whether it would have been Carmella or not, was going to catch that same heat. Yeah, so that's just unfortunate. You see what I mean? Really strange stuff going on there. No one's going, did you hear Carmella turned out to be the person? And they gave it away. They didn't even have the fucking common sense to cover her tattoo when they were doing the build-up promos. So people knew weeks ago. (laughs) You know, that's how much effort they put into that shit. You know, are they even watching these videos back? They're not. Anyway, so... uh, yeah, final thing I believe was Sami Zayn reten- retaining his title against Jeff Hardy. They have the exposed turnbuckle, which Jeff winds up knocking Hardy into, right? Yeah, and God, those two are held together by freaking bubblegum and glue after that ladder match. Yeah, ridiculous. SmackDown had 2.43 million viewers, uh, 0.55 rating in the 18 to 49 demographic. Keep in mind that they had the NBA Finals going on against them. That brings us to this week's Raw, which, by the way, last week's Raw did 1.822 million viewers when we got off the air. Um, so, obviously, we're not going to have the numbers of this week yet. They're still just only a couple of hours off of the air here. But we will talk about what happens and update you on that next week. Uh, this is they, they continue this Orton-Drew shit. Listen, when, when Drew came in 
to beat up Orton when Orton was backstage giving a promo and Drew came in. I thought that they were both going to quickly like put on night vision goggles and turn the lights off and we were just going to hear like, <laughs> like it'd be like two people hitting the raging demon in Street Fighter at that like, and then it turned, you know, I just thought, because they were both, it's that awkwardness where one guy steps in the room and the other one turns to him. I thought they would both have night vision goggles. It would be like just a night battle. <laughs> that would be uh, fantastic. That's awful. Um, this was a filler roar, and the main booking reason behind this is because at the end of the day, they're going to have the draft anyway, so they really can't do too much or change too many things hierarchy or, or, or landscape-wise just before the draft. So all they're going to do is just fuck around, which is what they did. You had Lana and Natty and Zelina, I believe, against Dana, Man- Mandy, and Asuka. Mandy going over with her pump knee. Uh, but then Nia Jax and Shayna come out to Natty and Lana, who have already lost, and they kill them uh, with, I believe, Natty eating the table bump this time, right? Oh, no, no, no. Natty was going to eat the table bump, but oh, then wait, Lana yeah, went right. to save her. So then freaking Lana ate the table bump for a third time. We yeah. know you're mad. Rusev yeah, she is getting AEW. she's getting buried as much as they're saying it's not that she's getting killed. That's the third fucking table. And it's uh, since the Miro thing happened. You're not going to tell me that that's not fucking deliberate, man. There's no way. Even if you were a book over there and you had planned three table bumps in a row, which I don't think they think that far ahead, you would have probably kind of slowed that shit down when the Miro thing happened just so that you don't know what the what the dirt sheets are going to inevitably say and accuse you of doing that in spite. But they don't care. They did that. And that's that's dirty. Uh, but they just wanted to kill them. Whatever. They're just going to fuck her up. Um Drew Gulak wins the 24-7 title against R-Truth, who jokingly thinks it's Randy Orton because he's disguised as a janitor this time. They're screwing around with that. Uh, I can't believe that that title exists in this day and time. Uh, I don't know why was with this championship. Because, spoiler, so we don't have to talk about this shit later. Truth got it back. What is up with these guys with like their acne level of fucking balance? Truth tripped over a mop. It's fucking... Gulak tripped Gulak trip over like a neon green trash can, like one of those ones you wheel out from behind your house and you live yeah. in the suburbs. It's like Jerry Lewis levels of goofy fucking characters in here, man. With I don't less know what the hell is going thought. on. Exactly. It was pretty terrible. Um, Rollins is having that backstage thing with Murphy where he's blowing up his texting spot, talking about all the things that him and uh, Aaliyah was speaking about. Not cool, Rollins. You know, I don't know how you felt about it when your dick was out there because it leaked over your phone. And now here you are. Doing we remember like dick to this guy. Right. You know, remember the dick thing that happened? Had a pretty thing. You know, we didn't judge you for that or your Nazi girlfriend or a lot of other weird shit that you've done. You know, being Triple H's boy, think about it. He he was able to date a Nazi and have his dick on the internet and nothing happened. He just kept running with titles. But now it's kind of like, we're having an angle where he's tormenting somebody, you know, or whatever. It's just strange. Everybody else has their uh, benefit, you know. Yeah. Which uh, you got the Kevin Owens show who's following up from the SmackDown thing with uh, Owens saying he's tired of dealing with these Lost Souls people because he was dealing with Alistair and I was dealing with the Fiend Bray. Uh, he jokingly says, what's next to brew? The Ministry of Darkness. Uh he calls out the fiend who doesn't show up, so he goes to find the fiend backstage. But then another lawsuit attacks him because it's Alistair Black who's beating him up, and uh, you know he's actually, these guys. Uh, a little bit of insight into this change. I figured out uh, a lot's going on. Apparently, as most of us, Vince didn't like the Alistair Black character. So what we're actually seeing is him reverting him back to Tommy End, his okay. indie persona. That's fine because I didn't like the Alistair Black character. I thought that the getting lifted out of the coffin shit with the music i didn't like the music either and he was over dramatic for who he is and honestly it's yeah. been working better this way with the music and the ways i don't really care for the heel turn but compared to it was just a dry character you know it didn't work for me ever so let him be what he was you know i even forgot yeah. he was that guy remember that there was yeah, the only reason i remember tommy in is because the first time we saw him during a, a little exhibition match with neville in the uk tournament 
Yeah, I remember there was an NXT takeover called The End, and we thought that that was teasing that he was going to show up then called Tommy End, but it had nothing to do with that. But later on, he came in as Aleister Black. But yeah, uh, let him go back to being a regular persona. No no wheeling people around and all this other shit anyway. I'm fine with it. I realized that they needed to change that music, and I'm glad they did too. Same for Cruz. Cruz has been a better situation with his music. You know, a lot of the new music channels are working. Plus, they're desperately trying to get a lot of those songs off of these guys now that they don't have contracts for that shit anymore. So expect yeah, to see a lot more CFO. music. Yeah, expect to see a lot of more music go by bye bye. The Jim Johnston stuff, which is the old attitude era and even some of the early nineties stuff, you they have access to that. But the stuff from the some of the ruthless aggression era and, and beyond like the current era that we're in, like the last six or seven years, some of that shit you might see go now, unfortunately. So we'll see. We'll see exactly what happens with that. Uh, Keith Lee has this brawl with Braun Strowman. They actually, actually, Keith Lee gets driven through the barricade, but Lee recovers. He actually winds up driving Strowman into the LED boards. Uh, you know, so they're doing it. Surprised they do the guys. usual explosion electricity pop they usually do for that. Yeah, we have more of this Rollins Murphy share where Rollins is demanding an apology for Murphy. Murphy winds up uh fighting Rollins and he gives him a double leg takedown and to him brawling and he winds up beating Rollins with a candlestick. He beats him into apologizing to Ali about Rollins like kind of feigns vulnerability and then he uses that opportunity to get the candlestick and now he's beating Murphy's ass and then predictably Aaliyah pops up. She's begging for Rollins to have some mercy. This triggers the rest of the Mysterios to come down and they're looking at her like what are you doing giving this guy sympathy and they pull her back and everything and you know Murphy's on the floor all beat up from the candlestick. So uh yeah, that's pretty much the the follow up with the Mysterio thing, and then the biggest news that really happens here is you have the uh, the her business, who by the way are still heels because like I agree with you, Kula. There's way too many heels on uh, on Raw right now or in WWE in general. But the her business who are heels but only faces when they're facing retribution, they're in a situation here because let's not forget her in this match there were f- there were matches between them and and freaking ricochet stable i even skipped over some stuff where they offered for one of them to join the hurt business but they jokingly feigned that they were gonna and then bunch of shit that didn't matter because these guys go around and around freaking ricochet with the corniest joker or hurt motherfucker like i was like lebron, LeBron but, but retribution shows up they surround the hurt business they um the hurt business asked mustafa ali if, he, if they're going to be with him for this encounter and uh what winds up happening instead is mustafa ali, and this is very predictable to me as soon as something get nose to nose with them i was like he's clearly with them once he got that close and that was the pause, they did the ECW, WCW hugging thing. So he turns around and he smiles and you realize he's the leader of the her business. So now these guys are getting are about to get jumped. I'm not, I don't think this is bad. Oh you my know? God! It's, it's the ladies with retribution. Stop Ali directing retribution right. to attack the hurt business. Let me turn that down a little bit. Let me turn that down a little bit. What were you saying? I was saying like um. What I like about this is like it's the biggest thing we've ever seen Ali get. I mean, in a yeah. sense, he basically has control of a massive faction now. Yeah, because they abandoned that storyline where apparently he was going to be revealed as the hacker or some shit like that in favor of doing this, which is good because at least they have some level of a presence. You know, it's in, it's interesting that they use the cop to be to be like this vigilante outlaw. I want to see how it's going to be presented. <laughs> right, I never thought about retribution is dismantling the hurt business. You know, but yeah, this was very interesting that now at retribution has some level of an identity. I wish it wasn't so obvious when he was going to turn there though. Like they waited too long with it, you know. But uh that maybe that's just me watching for years, but like I knew pretty much immediately when I saw all of that. You know. Like if I if I would have done that, I would have had them all get on the apron almost kind of like shield style. But then that maybe he turns while he's in the ring. Yeah, something like that. Then you could just do that quick. Yeah. 
But either way, I, I can't say I'm going to complain about it because at least now the stable has some level of an identity. They honestly should just lose the suits. The suits is a failed experiment. Yeah, like at least for those core five, the way we clearly lose the names know too. Their names that we never talk about them, but their names are shit like T Bar. I don't even remember all their names, but none of them are who they and used I know to be. The like. other one is uh, Slapjack. Slapjack T Bar. What's the girl's name? Because, um, I think, yeah, oh god, I can't even remember what the one that Mia Yim's name is, but yeah, I, I can't even remember. I think her name was, her, her name isn't Retribution, it's something, it, it's something else with a R. I stopped paying attention to it, but that's what I mean. That's some silly shit, man. Don't give them names like that. What are you crazy? Like, we don't know who they are. Like, we got to be grateful that after Mustafa Ali was introduced as the leader of Retribution, that you didn't hear Paul Heyman suddenly go, uh, and now introducing the owner of Retribution, Stephanie McMahon. And then she comes out and she's oh like, Imagine, imagine that, right? Cool, that. But, but I'm telling you, it's like, it's like Mace, her name is account. Mace. That's terrible. See what I mean? Mace, Mace. I don't know what the fuck. You see, it's just awful. It's shit. But yeah, it's like I said in the chat room, Stephanie couldn't take credit for this because there's not enough women that she could take credit for. Like, she did anything. Because that's the only time we ever see Stephanie nowadays. Yeah, no, it was anticlimactic, you know, like uh, certain things are certain things work, certain things didn't. We'll have to see what they do with a retribution going into next Raw since now retribution. I mean, what are they going to do with the brand split? Are they all going to move to one brand as a, as a company? Because this Friday is the draft. In case you guys didn't know, this next SmackDown, you're going to get the draft. So will all of retribution be split up? Will the Herb business stay? I There's mean, so many stables now that it's going to be hard for your suspension of disbelief if they all stick around each other. I mean, they've done it before in the past where they've like, you can pick a whole stable as one pick. So that's usually they're out for that. Yeah, I'm just so sick of the drafts. I feel like whenever they start to get a little momentum and a few things start to work, it's time to shuffle everything around again. And then we see how what works and what doesn't again. Especially because they have people jumping shows randomly throughout the year anyway. We've been been hearing about trades all year. Why do we need a draft? Oh, boy. The coverage of this stuff, I swear. (laughs) Y'all better appreciate us, all right? (laughs) Yeah, I don't ask for money, but yeah, appreciate it. Because if it wasn't for the community and having the discussions and all the engaging conversation about it, there's a lot of this shit I would quit watching. Uh, I hate to say it, but WWE and AEW would be the top of my list. I'd be just a New Japan Ring of Honor guy, most likely. Uh, I do like covering it because we get to analyze it and look at it, and that's the enjoyment of it. But if you were, like, rating the products right now, like, whoo, they're really not holding it together, at least in my opinion. If you're enjoying it, don't let me stop enjoying you by any means, but... I'm just seeing so many holes and things there that uh, just a lot of stuff is not working. All right. Are we ready to wrap up here? Are we good? Yeah, that was pretty much all the important stuff that came out of Raw. Yeah. And then dirt sheets in general. I know there's more news, but we can't cover everything. Whatever we missed, we'll carry over into next week. If you feel like you didn't hear something that you wanted to, you can always DM us at our Twitters, and I will consider bringing it into the show. That being said, thank you to everyone who has hung out with us for this entire evening, all of our regulars in the chat room, uh, Willie V2, Stasis Dreams, EB Gamer, Kula Ice, Six Slayer, Pixie Starlar, and also Pixie, thank you for the host, whether it's auto host or not, uh, King Quest 770, good to see you as always, buddy, George with a Z at the end, Sayman Senpai, also thank you for all your auto hosts that you do regular and you're supporting us, uh, Princess League, First Killer, Idolara, and of course, all of you that are listening via podcast mode on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, and of course, TalkBrunch.com, Twitch.tv, and Facebook. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to Talk Brunch Live, episode 413, hosted by yours truly, Rick Dara, aka Captain Brunch. For myself and Destin Soglo Frazier, we're out of here.
And now it's time for Gone with Kids. Shut that down.